where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Mark pounding at the 27-yard line. Warner to throw. Going deep downfield. Adjusting for it is Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce down 73 yards good morning everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 espn in st louis and happy anniversary to isaac bruce and mike jones 24 years ago today at the georgia dome in atlanta the only super bowl that st louis ever won or ever will win won by the st louis rams over the tennessee titans it's great to have you with us at seven o'clock 701 now your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler the now depressed brooke grimsley danny mack randy yeah. Parker, great to have you with us good morning I'm, kids How i'm we not doing? depressed randy you know i appreciate that just specific era of football so much that's what got me into sports is watching the music city miracle all that play out steve mcnair is one of my favorite one of my favorite players of all time and then seeing the other side of it the greatest show on turf that is one of the best offenses I have. I think we have ever seen, yeah. honestly. And I have so much respect for, I mean, Isaac Bruce meeting him. He does so much here in the St. Louis community. That is just such a great group of guys. Let me guess, uh, we're going to Mike Jones on? Mike Jones with the tackle. The yeah, tackle. He's coming up at 930 later Who? on. Looking Who, forward Randy? to. Who? Mike Jones, the tackle. Oh, okay. We would love to have. I had to get you back for yesterday, Randy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, Mike Jones. There you go. Mike Jones. Uh, yeah, so Mike Jones, Mike the Tackle Jones is going to join us at 9.30. John Kelly is going to be with us at 8.15 as the Blues get ready to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. This, you know what, guys? This is a game the Blues should win tonight. I think they have to win going into the break. I think this is a game that go into the break. And unfortunately, in my opinion, the break comes at a bad time for the Blues. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the coaching staff, I say, guys, you cannot look past this game. You have to win this game. Columbus is not very good. They're without one of their top players. And you come into this game at home and you say, we have to win this game. Yeah. I think it's a must-win game. I really do. I know that's crazy to say that middle of the season, but I think it's a very important game. Because you want to see them continue to build off this win streak, right? I mean, for them to get to this point of winning five games in a row and then you're going into the break, this is just a really crucial and pivotal moment, as you're mentioning, Dan. And we're getting close to the final countdown. I know it's only January. It'll be February in a couple of days. But February a couple of years ago is when the Blues either made or broke themselves, right? When they yeah. had the 11-game winning streak. And you can get yourself knocked out of the playoffs in February, too. So I, I don't disagree with that, Dan. I think the, the Blues need to be within striking distance, and that would be two or three points of a playoff spot 
by the time we get to mid-March. And the Kings aren't playing well? No. So you get a little separation there. I, I just think tonight's a very important game. Don't look ahead to the break yep. and make sure you take care of business at home. And by the way, tomorrow, the last game before the All-Star break, and tomorrow, Robbie, Tommy <laughs> is going to join us uh, before he heads to Toronto. I heard he does not like Robbie, Tommy. I really well, did hear that. <laughs> you I, heard that through the grapevine? I, I heard yeah? another one. What's the other one that he didn't like that I asked him? Oh, I said, let, let uh, we I asked him about Bobby Tommy, Bobby which Tommy. he did not like, which makes me yeah. think he does not like the Robert to Bobby transition. But I don't okay. know. But I, I thought I, he likes the Robbie he Tommy. Likes, he likes Robbie. Robbie. He likes oh, Robbie. No. I don't know if he likes us calling him Robbie. Okay. And I don't know if he likes us calling it Tommy. Well, I'm not going to call him Tommer. So we're going to have to. is his team nickname, unfortunately. I know. But they good. also call him Robbie, right? Yeah. I just heard through the grapevine he doesn't like it. Okay. Oh, I'm just okay. saying. Okay. So that's why I stay on the outside <laughs> looking in. Because I don't want to upset Robbie Tommy. I don't want to. See, Uh-oh. I just said it. So Uh-oh. I don't want to upset Robert Thomas. I don't want to yeah. do that. Oh, no, I don't. He's always you know? jovial and cordial when, uh, Absolutely whenever I run he into is. him. He's, he's great. So what do we call him? We just call him Robert? Robert. Come on. That's kind of boring. That's like Randall Gritchick when he was here. That's the reason Randall Gritchick never made it is because he didn't go with Randy. You know, oh. <laughs> Randy, yes, he got a $51 million I contract. call you Randall. I know you do, but Randall is stuffy. Randy is Randall. fun. Randy Casual. is So here's the thing. Randall is like Biff or Tad at the club. Oh, I'm going to go play... <laughs> With Biff. I'm going to go. I don't do it that way, though. I I don't think of it that way. I might as just, hey, Randall. You do it in a fun, engaging way. But I look at it as Biff and Tad at the club wearing their tuxedo. I wear a tuxedo t shirt at the front row of a Leonard Skinner concert. Now you have just offended all the Biffs, Tads, Thads, all of them. Randalls. Randalls. Yeah. But uh, no, Randy is looser and more fun. Casual. Casual. Fun. There Hit. you go. Yeah, so uh, if you are somebody that goes by Randall, Randall Gritchick, and I worked with him. I got him a tuxedo t-shirt. But it never worked for him. If he would have gone by Randy Gritchick, he'd be right th- he, right there with the guy that he got drafted ahead of. Can I, <laughs> oh, can, no. Can I interject? <laughs> yes, just you may. Yeah. Sure. Wait a minute. What did you get him? A tuxedo t-shirt. When did that happen? When he was here. Did he want the tuxedo t-shirt? No, but I, I had told him. I said, look. I, I I said the, the the Randall thing just doesn't work. I said you got to loosen up. You did not do this. I did. You went down he, to the clubhouse no, he, and did yeah, it. Yeah, he wore it for really? a while. He wore it for a day. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that uh, yeah. fun tidbit. Yeah. So this was an actual conversation about his name. You wanted him to go by oh, Randall. We had it a couple times on the air because I I I said, hey, look, I have a uh, Randall. I have a good time. I and my real given name is Randall. I go by Randy. I have I have a good time. I'm loose, no stress. I said, I know that if I went by Randall, I would be stressed and I would be up at the plate. I just wouldn't be able to do what I'm capable of doing. And uh, he said, whether yeah, you're Randy or Randall, you well, wouldn't be able to do what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, true. I'm just saying. And he he, he gave me the yeah no. Um, yeah. And so I I got the tuxedo T-shirt on Amazon and presented it to him, and he laughed and was thankful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he didn't wear it enough to start hitting, I'll tell you that. No, and he, <laughs> he was, as you said, so Mike great. Trout was right there in the draft with uh, him. I know, yeah, yep. drafted ahead of Mike Trout. We got a text from the 314. Robert is an awesome name. No need to create a nickname. Signed, Robert. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Roberts have spoken, Randy. Yeah, we have okay. to take that into account. Yeah. Uh, that guy's gonna, Bobby now. Yeah, we're we're going to hear from uh, some of the excerpts from the Ali Marmal interview that Ali did with our, our friend, friend of the show, Xavier Scruggs. Uh, we're going to hear that at 8 o'clock. And Ali said that uh, he's, and Ali has told me, I'm sure he's told you, Dan, that he is as old school as old school gets. It, it gets. It is nice to hear him 
echo some of the things that Joe Torre and uh, Tony LaRusso have said over the years, and that he really does concern himself with what a player is dealing with and what a player is capable of. What would we? What would the mindset be with Joe Torre, Whitey, Tony LaRusso if they had analytics like today? Now they had an, a, a version of it. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm talking about this book before a uh, a series that is about an inch deep with all the analytics. What would we think of them? And what would the front offices do with them in terms of how much information is given, how much they take in? I think it's just a product of the times. Well, it is, but would that wealth of information have caused Whitey to stop stealing bases? No, but I also think that he had cachet, and Ollie doesn't have that yet, so he's going to take some heat. And here's the thing, and I always wondered about this. I'm going to ask an umpire about the rule here. So there's a three-batter minimum in baseball. Okay, you put a left-handed pitcher in, put him in right field for a hitter. Is he technically facing a batter because he's facing him in right field, or does he have to face uh, the three batters as a pitcher? As a pitcher. Okay. Yeah. So, but it makes uh, you know Whitey did that with Todd Worrell all the time. Ricky put Horton. him in the outfield. Yeah. Ricky Horton did it. Yeah. It is. It's great strategy. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Right. And so those are the thoughtful, creative things that I'm thinking. And. Putting Alan Craig in center field, you did the games when in Wrigley Field. Putting Alan Craig of all people, yep. But you can do that in Wrigley Field if you if you're confident in what your pitcher is going to do that day, and it actually worked out. The Cardinals wound up winning with of all people, Alan Craig in center field. And the percentages tell you too yeah, that he's yeah. probably not going to get the ball hit to him. I mean, it's, <laughs> it may happen, but you know, yeah. and then you hope he can make a catch. Well, it's just what has happened now. That's the way that things are changing into. But I think we're almost saying it turned back the other way in a lot of ways. Bruce Bochy, one of my favorite managers to watch mm-hmm. this past season, the way that he was able to navigate things, he used his gut. But with that comes experience, it comes time, and that also al- allowing him to do that and get to that point. He's got the resume to do it. Exactly. And some guys don't. And Ali is in year three coming up and coming off of last season. There's a lot of heat on him. And so trying to do some of those things that you're talking about, Randy, I think it's a little tougher on him than maybe some of the other managers in the game. Trading baseball last night. The Twins send a really good middle infielder, Jorge Polanco, to Seattle for four young players. They get uh, uh, Minnesota gets outfield prospect Gabriel Gonzalez, reliever Justin Topa, starter Anthony DiSclefani, who they got in the Robbie Ray trade with San Francisco, and minor leaguer Darren Bowen, so Jorge Polanco. And Seattle needs infielders. They they get a guy that'll help them a lot. I think Blake Snell could wind up with Seattle. Makes sense, doesn't yep. it? Mm, it? Seattle does. kid, going back home, yep. maybe not having to pay him like a normal Cy Young Award winner that's coming off that award. has won it a couple of times. It just seems to be the right fit. It does. It makes a lot of sense as to how that would really play out there. And then the Cardinals also adding somebody last night, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, they added Rivas, right? The mm-hmm. first they baseman did. from the Angels and the, the, the long, illustrious, productive career of uh, Moises Gomez ends as the Cardinals. I wanted to did. see him. I did, too. I did Just too. come, up, come yeah. on up and see if you can mash. I don't know. It seems like they didn't have a place for him, and that's what's going on. Now, yes. there's still a chance, of course, that he won't get claimed off waivers and that he could stay with the Cardinals. But at the same time, I think a lot of us were hoping to see that power that you just kept seeing over and over again. It's like, how many home runs has he hit the past two seasons? I mean, he seemed to have a lot of power. And I think just looking at social media yesterday, the reaction to it is like, uh-oh, are we going to find ourselves in another situation where it's going to be a player who got away that we should have gotten an opportunity for? Tampa Bay had a chance to keep him, too, and didn't bring him up. So there, yeah. there must be some situation where they look at the film, 
hear from the minor league staff and they just say this guy is prone to strike out and we really don't have a position for him. Yeah. Hey, did you guys uh, for we're here at Hubbard Radio and Hubbard Broadcasting is our company. Do you guys have the the HSA, the uh, the health savings account? Thought it was really interesting that uh, uh, Joaquin Nielsen and Edward Leuven are leaving camp to get their green cards, and that's I guess that's for their benefits so that they have the health savings card account. Who are you so, talking about? St. Louis City SC. Okay. Joaquin Nielsen and uh, and Edward Leuven leaving the team. I don't know why I don't know why HR just doesn't give them their health savings, but they're leaving the team so that they can get their green cards so that they have their health savings. I think it's a different different green card. Oh, is the big one? Yeah, this is a very important one to keep. Oh, uh, this is kind of like the American Express black card. <laughs> no, well, I mean, <laughs> but it's green. It also yeah. opens up a lot of opportunities. Yes, you're right. <laughs> We're doing there a read for American Express on the other side. We're doing American card. Express read right now. <laughs> Do you guys know if green cards are green? I don't know. God, that's a, these are you know um, these are some questions question. you have this yeah. morning, Randy. Yeah, you're coming <laughs> out of nowhere. Is red tape red? Is what? Is red tape red? There you go. Good question. Uh, having to deal with a lot of red tape. So, so anyway, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN, Daniel. It's Can kind I, of um, greenish. On a serious note, you know Mark yeah. Walsh, who has Walsh. been yeah, longtime Cardinal employee. Yeah. He's been uh, behind the scenes forever, and he is part of the staff that helps out the St. Louis Cardinals. His brother passed away, and oh, I, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there, Tom Walsh. So, Walsh, we're thinking about you this morning. Uh, he has had a direct effect on many charities here in town with donations and things that he helps out with. Always helps us out, Randy yeah. and Brooke. And if you're around the Cardinals, you know Mark Walsh. He's been there for decades. So, Walsh, we're thinking about you, you and your family this morning. Absolutely. One of the great people and great families in Walshie, we are thinking of you. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN coming up as we get ready for spring training. And we're just a couple of weeks away now. Who's one player that was moved that you wish the Cardinals would have gotten this offseason? Now, I'm not going to say Dylan Cease because he didn't get moved. But a player that went to another team that you say, man, I wish the Cardinals would have gotten him. We'll take your text. We'll take your mic drops as we go along during the show. But we're going to give you ours next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, the Opening Drive, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Coming up, we're going to give you a little bit of uh, information and opinion about the great scene on Sunday in Baltimore. But right now, what player that the Cardinals didn't get that somebody else did, would you have liked to have seen the Cardinals acquire? And this is money is no option? Money is not <laughs> an object. Like Shohei, I, I'm going to be realistic so take with Shohei mine. out of it. Yeah, that, I, I'm going to be realistic with mine. So, okay. Yeah, yeah under, w- within the somewhat budget confines of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so, yeah, you can... You can go to a reasonable spot if you want to. Okay. All right. Brooke, who you got? Mine is going to be the reliever who ranked in the top 10% of the league of chase percentage, whiff percentage, strikeout percentage, barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, and somebody that I felt like would have been a really good fit for this Cardinals bullpen. 
I'm going to go with Josh Hader. I think that Josh Hader would have oh, been. Oh, you just took mine, I'm Brooke. so oh. sorry, Dan. Well, hey, great minds think alike. I've got others, too. Okay, you got some others. Yeah. But I'm sure this was your line of thinking as well, because I believe that adding him to the Cardinals bullpen alongside Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos would have really just bolstered the entire pitching staff. I don't have to mention the age here, but I think we are all very well of the starting rotation and their seasoned and their experience, as I mentioned before. I think that he would have been a great addition and he's arguably one of the best closers in baseball over especially over the last few years I think with Ryan Helsley too of course he was great last season but the biggest thing is his availability we know his injury history is something and his durability is something you have to look at going into the season and Giovanni Gallegos kind of scuffling a little bit last year I just feel like Josh Hader would have fit in really well and would have made me feel a little bit better about this bullpen going to the season. Yeah, 33 saves, a one two eight ERA. I would have loved to have seen Josh Hader here in St. Louis, and I was, you know, saying that from day one, even though he got, you know, roughly a hundred million dollars. So it takes them out of that equation. Hector Neris would have been my guy, one seven one ERA in seventy one appearances, and now that he goes to the Cubs makes it even more so that I'd like to see Hector Neris in mm-hmm. St. Louis. Craig Kimball was on my list. He was a guy that I thought was reasonable. Aroldis Chapman was another one. If it didn't work out, you could flip him potentially. And I thought that would be someone, even though he did have a lack of command, he struck out 103 in 58 in a third. And I'll throw another one that kind of flew under the radar recently was Adam Adovino, who just mm-hmm. signed uh, with the Mets. So that's just a group of guys. But it, you can tell my, my pattern here is to go bullpen. Yeah. And guys... The guy that I would have liked to have had sat in free agency for a long time, and you know that I want that guy to start game one of a playoff series. It was Aaron Nola. And if I could have had the Cardinals get him to start game one of the season and game one of a playoff series, he, he is within that age. He's 30. He, he's not in that 34, 35, 36-year-old age range, 37, that they signed. I would have liked to have had a guy that's shown the durability that he has and shown the, the playoff chops that he has over the years. Let me counter that, though. What would you have thought, because you would have had to sign him probably to a seven- or eight-year deal mm-hmm. to leave where he was, what would you have thought of the back end of that contract, or do you even care? At this point, I think the Cardinals should be playing with a level of desperation. So I'm I'm looking at the first three or four years of that contract, and I'm not really worried about the back end. And, and that's fair because Goldie and Arenado are you know they're on the backside of mm-hmm. their careers, and you want to get the most out of having those cornerstone guys. So that that makes some sense. Yeah. So where would what would your starting rotation look like with him in it? Well, you sign him before you sign the other guy, so you probably don't have Sonny Gray. So if if Nola is the guy, and this is all hypothetical because apparently he wanted to stay in Philly. He loves mm-hmm. it there, right? But I wouldn't have minded getting he, Lynn, uh, Kyle Gibson, and then working with the rest of what I have with Michaelis and Thompson and Mats and, and hopefully Guy uh, Graceffo and McGreevy. I, I wouldn't have minded having that because I feel and, – and the, the fact of the matter is – most free agent pitchers wind up getting hurt, so he probably would have. But that's what I would have thought I would have could could have gotten 32 starts and 200 innings out of Aaron Nola. What about Jordan Montgomery? I know that he hasn't signed with the mm-hmm. team yet, but I think we all are pretty aware that he will likely go to the Rangers once everything gets sorted out with Bally's and Amazon and everything like that. What about Jordan Montgomery? I just I don't know if Jordan Montgomery fits here. He fits in Texas, because Bochi and, and Maddox are different, right? They're more old school, and he wants to be more old school. I think he was treated, and we're, we're going to talk to hear from Ali talking about being uh, non-analytical. I thought that Jordan Montgomery was 
handled in a very analytical way. They never allowed him to get in enough trouble to get out of trouble. You could say that about Michael. You could yep, say that you know, right. there's mm-hmm. instances every night that you could. Yeah. But and, and I know that's where baseball is right now. But for me, Montgomery is a guy that you need to give him the opportunity to deal with some adversity. Would it shock you guys that the Cardinals were the third most in terms of leaving their starters in or leaving a bullpen guy in after one inning? Third best, if you want to look at it that way. Third most, third best, Mm -hmm. whatever. I found that the most shocking stat that I heard this offseason and looked up. It's amazing. And one of the things that you run into as an organization, and maybe this is a reason, well, probably not, that a guy like Snell or Montgomery, who are Boris clients that aren't out there, but those guys in the free agent year, if you throw them 120 pitches, you're getting a call from Scott Boris saying, hey, don't throw my guy 120 pitches. He's going into free agency. I don't don't want him to go more than 100. And I have to believe that that's probably one of the, if not spoken, unspoken rules with Scott Boris clients is that you protect their health by not throwing them more than he wants them thrown. Well, Dan, and with what you just said right there, it makes me think even more so that you do have to really prioritize the bullpen. Of course, you have to go out and get starting pitching, but when you hear that, you said third most in baseball? So they they would, so let's say a reliever would go 10 or 11 pitches and you mm-hmm. say, and a lot of times analytics will say, get him out of there, or a starter that would go more than two times through a lineup. The Cardinals were the third most in doing that, in wow. extending. Because you so, stay in your little bubble, so you don't even think about that. Yeah. But that shows a really big trend in baseball, and that just shows, I think, even more so the importance of bullpen and having a really good bullpen. Mm-hmm. But it also goes back to, is Ollie just strictly analytics? And I think the answer would be no on that. I, I do think he plays his gut. I think, though, it's a different, totally different set of circumstances than what we are accustomed to with championship baseball here in St. Louis. And that is just where the game is going, right or wrong. Yeah, it is. And that's one of the things, and this is one of the reasons that you have the three starting pitchers that you signed over the offseason, is because even though the Cardinals had that statistic, and even though they're in the middle of the pack in terms of innings pitched for their starting rotation, they... They already had a bad bullpen, but you can't, if you have a good bullpen, you can't gas it in the first half. And I think that's one of the things that that rotation last year with Flaherty and the way Michaelis was pitching and Wayno wasn't there uh, and uh, Montgomery, uh, who else did they have? There was somebody else that didn't give innings on a regular basis last year. And you need to be able to protect that bullpen. Maybe this bullpen will be better and you don't need to protect it as much. 29 times the starter threw 100 pitches or more. That is it yeah. for the Cardinals last year to prove your point, Randy. So you had to get uh, innings. You had to get outside of your bullpen. The bullpen 24th in ERA, 29th in strikeout rate. Now that is the interesting thing to me when they wanted more swing and miss. And it's not to say you got a ton of it in your bullpen. So mm-hmm. that's something to keep an eye on as they move forward this season. The bullpen, I feel, I I just wish that they would at least have one other arm in there. I know Phil Maton, we've talked about that mm-hmm. name a lot. He's still out there. And we talked about Josh Hader. We talked about some of the other relievers that are still out there on the market. But if you guys could right now, and not saying the Cardinals are completely done, but would you want another reliever with this bullpen? Absolutely. Phil Maton would be the one I, I look at. He takes so. the ball, too. He's one of 10 pitchers to work 200 or more games the past three years. So to your point, Randy, he takes the ball. And each year his curveball rate has risen 40% last year. 
And uh, I, he just seems to fit the profile of maybe what the Cardinals need. Kind of like this Chris Stratton guy, mm-hmm. but maybe even a little bit better in what the stuff is, but a guy that you can count on every single day to take the ball. And maybe the fact that he has taken the ball 135 times over the last two years is the reason that he isn't an Astro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, they know something. They know. Yeah, yeah. They, they've worn him out maybe, and they saw some signs of wearing down at the end of last season. Yeah. And he's 30 years old. He seems like he would be within their price range, and it goes with their theme of possibly little to no risk but high reward. Another follow-up question for you guys. Is that something that you wish was a little bit different this offseason? Because we talked about theoretically the players that you wish they would have gotten. The price range, when you look at that, especially with Josh Hader and the Astros, I mean, almost $100 million for that deal. We know that that's outside of the norm of what the Cardinals typically do with free agency and people who aren't a part of the Cardinals' way, essentially. But is that something that you wish that was a little bit different this offseason? Because I was thinking about that last night, is that they still kind of have stayed in that same vein of little to no risk and hope hoping mm-hmm. for a high reward there right and Kittredge he's a gamble even though yep. you come off of Tommy John it's not as severe as it once was calculated gamble that may yeah. work yeah yep. and, and he is he's got great stuff and he's been on a winner but the more winning experience I can have in my bullpen I'll take it I want it yeah that costs money well, Maton is one of those guys, though. I also say on the flip side, though, you have some young kids coming. And right. that's something to keep in mind, too, is that th- there's a handful of guys. And maybe one of these guys takes the next step. Excuse you, Randy. You okay? okay? Yeah, I'm just coughing. Okay. And then I, I didn't know if you were getting emotional over this whole thing. I am. I, I am. I, He's getting choked I'm up. just choked up over the whole bullpen I'm, I'm, I'm conversation. Thinking, okay, would, would I, and this is no affront to Gio Gallegos, who loves Ted Drews. But would I rather have Gio Gallegos or Phil Maton? I think I'd rather have Phil Maton. I'd like both. Uh, it'd be nice to have both. Yeah, <laughs> both. I'd like it would both. be great. Yeah. And you, you don't have to make that choice because you had Gallegos under contract. But that's that's a point to be made. Would you like to have that winning experience for August, September? Because it is a different sport and October. Can I uh, go outside the box here? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. How come we don't talk enough about the Gallegos Gallego deal? That turned out to be a really good really deal. Good deal. Yeah. That you know, you always look at Arenado, you look at Goldie, you look at some of the other ones that didn't work out, and there's there's their handful there too. But that's one that flies under the radar that no one talks about was a really good deal. And Dan, remember how bad people thought it was because it was Luke Voigt? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, oh, and then we, he goes out and get, yeah. wins a home run title too. Yeah, right. Yeah. But now that was the shortened season, I believe, the it 2020 was. season. Yeah. However. Here you got a guy that's been here five years, coming up on five years, and Gallegos, reliable reliever. You you can use him in the back end, get you some saves. And I do think he's going to be better this year. Trying to predict what happens in a bullpen outside of a guy like Josh Hader, who you think is going to get his fair share of saves and be nasty, it's really tough to predict. It it's is. just hard. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do. Yep. Coming up here on 101 ESPN on this anniversary of Super Bowl 34 and Isaac Bruce's touchdown and the tackle, did we see the greatest moment in NFL history Sunday? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker, and Danny Mac is a connoisseur of all things adorbs. And <laughs> sure, you had you had the great, the spectacular Patrick Mahomes leading the Chiefs to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years on Sunday. Sure, you had Mr. Irrelevant, the Brock Purdy leading the 49ers with a great comeback to the Super Bowl. But we had, after the AFC Championship game, Taylor Swift planting mm. a big smooch on Travis Kelsey and we have video evidence we have photographic evidence and Dan I have to believe that this is one of the all-time adorbs moments for it's adorable. you adorable <laughs> it's absolutely adorable am I the only one that doesn't care about this I, I think it's good for the NFL good for them I don't care have at it I like it I don't I I do care about it but I like it and I, I I'm still waiting for the people that were complaining when the Chiefs were eight and six about right. Taylor Swift b- being to blame I, I wonder what they're saying now because if she was to blame then now they're in the Super Bowl she is the reason she's right? a good luck charm yeah. at this point and I think that <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm sorry I keep laughing at the segment name and because this is how he put it for the segment this is how Randy wrote it out how adorbs was the Travis Kelsey twi- Taylor Swift kiss on the field the cutest thing ever, <laughs> Randy. It's totes my goat. So cute. I have well, to agree with you there. It's got to be great for the NFL. It is. Well, and here's the thing. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but Apex Marketing they put out that Taylor Swift has generated an equivalent brand value of three hundred and thirty-one point five million for the Chiefs mm-hmm. and the NFL. That includes print, digital, radio, TV highlights, and social media, going back to Taylor Swift's first game back in September. So we'll get texts about this, and you can text in. You can send us a mic drop. If you don't like it, if it bothers you, why? Why are you mad about something like this? I could see where some well, people Matthew's, Matthew's got an answer. Go would ahead, say that, you know what, I'm leave them be. I, mm-hmm. I can see some people say, let them live their lives a little bit. Now, on the flip side, they've lived their lives in public, mm-hmm. so that's part of the deal. Uh, I kind of felt bad for her when they, they had the camera on her and she said, I, I, paraphrasing, get that thing off me. Yeah. I don't know if you saw yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Let her enjoy the game, but I don't know. Did you guys think that the reaction to Giselle was similar when Giselle and Brady were either dating or married? No. I didn't think so either. No. So, And by the way, Jessica Simpson did get the same treatment when she was dating Tony Romo, but he never took his team to the Super Bowl either. Well, I felt like I heard the conversation around Jessica Simpson was that she was like a curse, a curse yeah, around well, it. Because they went to Cabo, right, but during the bye week, and that didn't help her either. No. Uh, so Matthew was raising his hand over here as oh. to why people might um, hate it's, this. It's because they're unhappy. Oh, in and, general and, and, in their and lives. They hate their life. Yeah, and Travis and And so Taylor they see are. they see young love and they just go, Oh my god. Like football is their escape from many things, including having to see other people happy. Okay. 
Somebody she really made... didn't have that much airtime this last week. And Dan, as you mentioned, she kind of wanted the cameras to get away. Here's the thing is that no matter what she does, whether she's she's dating Travis Kelsey or she's just going to the grocery store, there's going to be a million cameras on her. So that's just part of it because she's one of the biggest stars right now. And I understand some people and kind of the line of thinking of it's not that big of a deal, like you're saying, Dan. The part that I guess that I personally just have an issue with is where I see people just take it too far or where they may they make it too personal. Like, I don't know if you saw this past weekend that there was these images that came out of Taylor Swift that somebody made on AI kind of poking fun at her and fans. I can't say it on here on the radio, but you can go look up there. It is bad. And that is terrible. And people who just say, well, I I hate her. I don't want to see her. Okay, that's your personal preference. My whole thing is that I Taylor won't hear any of your complaints, but if you are making it kind of personal about her and that she's ruining football and blah, blah, all this stuff, I think about the women in your life or your daughters or something like that. They're, Taylor won't hear it, but they will. And if you are using as a way, I don't want I don't want her on my TV for this during the football game as a distraction. She was barely on TV. Twenty four seconds, weekend. I think, in the divisional round, a three three hour and forty five minute telecast, and she was on for twenty four seconds. Do you guys wait though when Kelsey makes a catch, and he had a bunch of them this yep. weekend, where you go, okay, where's the uh, the shot I'm of wait, Taylor Swift? I'm waiting for it. Yeah, I am. And that's good TV. It's, it it's smart on the part of you the show television. Family, they show family members. Yep. Absolutely. The same thing. So a couple of texts. Like uh, this one, it, this is from oh the 314. Wow, it bothers me because oh I started God. a new job in September too, and I haven't generated $330 million yet. What do you think the NFL offices are saying? And if they say to CBS, NBC, ESPN, they say, if there is somebody... And maybe they don't say anything because the people that are running these these games and the producers and the directors are the best in the world at what they do. But do they say a little bit like, hey, if she's there, go ahead and go ahead and not exploit it, but use it to your advantage, use it to our advantage. And I wonder if there is a correlation to people that wanted to see her and now become a little bit of football fans, maybe more than a casual fan. I do wonder about that. It may be just a little bit, but there might be some. Yeah. And. It all comes back. Just follow the money, right? Just what works for them. And yeah, I think that makes sense. If if you want ratings, I mean, you're, you've got a, an audience that you didn't have in August, right? That's watching football now for one specific reason. If you can get those eyes on your product, you, ultimately you can sell it. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Even if no. it's just a little bit, that's always a good thing. It's not, you can't gatekeep the NFL, Right, because it's sure. it's one of the best things to watch out there. Obviously, we saw the TV ratings that came out. What was it for the 49ers and Lions? I think it was like 56 million viewers yep. or something yeah. like that. Or might have been more it than was 56, that. That's was right. it 56 yeah. million? I mean, that's a good thing. You right. want as many viewers as possible. And Taylor Swift wasn't even a part of that game. But <laughs> at the same time, like I, I do understand where maybe some people don't want their pop culture mixing in. But it's kind of a cute and funny <laughs> story. Now, one of my favorite things that I've seen on social media and we got some texts in about this as well, is the conspiracy theory that the NFL is scripted <laughs> and this is why the Chiefs made it is because they want more Taylor oh, Swift. Oh, here we go Do with Randall. Do you guys buy into that? Well, in their own commercial at the beginning of the season, they talked about writing Patrick Mahomes out of the script and he's, he said, I'm right here. So clearly the script writer, and I think that was Keegan-Michael Key, was it not, that was leading the script writing? Uh, he was able to put Patrick Mahomes back in with a little twist. It is the best reality TV it going is. right it now. Yeah. I mean, whether you love the NFL or hate them, I hate the business side of it, but the product that's on the field is second to none. Yeah. It really is. 
Uh, we get another one, this one from the 314. Randy, I'm mad because it's good for the NFL, obviously, LOL. Taylor's putting money in Kroenke's pocket. The same reason you don't purchase a jersey, sir. Uh, she is putting money in his pocket, but <laughs> hopefully she's getting something out of this, too. Well, she is. I mean, she's got... She's getting love, right? She's love, right. What could be better than that? <laughs> this is from the uh, 636. Do you guys think there's one camera dedicated to just being on her during the game? Yes. Yes. But here's the thing. They have to find her because the TV people don't know what suite she's going to be in before the game starts. So they have to find her. They have to find the lighting. So you see in games sometimes where you'll see the suite, but it's really dark because... They, they when the broadcast starts, they have to find her in the suite, and then they have to find the best lighting and the best angle for the camera. I'm going to interject. I guarantee they know where she is prior to the game. So if you're CBS or NBC and they send people to go meet with the PR people of Kansas City, they say, well, she's in suite 16. You're going to okay. find and, and it's going to be hard I, I, to find I, I saw a feature on this. I don't care what they say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. telling you. Okay. Then I, I wonder why when they, for example, in the Buffalo game, why the you couldn't see anything the first time they showed her suite. Why the lighting was so bad. So was the lighting bad? So, But she was in the back, right? No, she was in the front, but all you could see was like a, a shadow outline. So maybe that is by design by her team in, in that box to say, we're going to turn off the lights. You're still going to be able to see the game, but this is what we're going to do to counter all the cameras. Good conspiracy. I like it. Yeah, that, that is a good conspiracy. And Dan, this kind of plays into what you're talking about from the 573. I love it. My daughter is a T-Swift lover, and she sits with me during the game just waiting to catch a glimpse of Taylor. Brings us together to watch the game. That's a, that. that's, that's, that's a very sweet moment. And then one from the 573. Is this Kansas City Sports Radio Station? <laughs> Y'all are a mockery to St. Louis Rams fans. Okay, uh, you started the show with a highlight of the Rams. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing, the, I, if you're not aware of this, the Super Bowl is like a national thing, and so the the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. I don't I don't know if you're aware of this, but this it might be new to you. But the Super Bowl is something that happens for the whole country, and so that's a big deal. Worldwide, Taylor really. Swift is probably the, the most recognizable person in the world right now. So I don't don't again just providing a little bit of where our job is to provide you provide you information. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. And the other part of this is is that it is the cutest thing ever. So if you don't want to hear about the cutest thing ever, then listen to Bob Fesco and enjoy <laughs> that. That is Kansas City Radio. He's probably not talking about the cutest thing ever. He's probably talking about Joe Tooney being available for the Super Bowl. <laughs> How do you think the fans in Kansas City are reacting to this? I mean, oh, their perspective has got to be different than anywhere else yep. in the country because it's their team. Think about this, though. Think about... Heck, when John Hamm comes to Blues games, think about having, and he's our guy, right? Think about having your little, not little, but Kansas City, it's, it's not the biggest market. It's not New York, Chicago, L.A. And you've got Taylor Swift coming to all your games. That's like the coolest thing ever. We talked about the money that she has brought in. Guys, for Major League Baseball and for the Cardinals, we need to find a pop superstar to date one of the Cardinals players. Haley Steinfeld. She's already dating oh, Josh Allen of the Bills. Okay. I'm saying for Major League Baseball. We're talking about growing the game here, Randy. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm efforting here. I'm, I'm thinking. Of, I'm working on this. We can what the hell can we do it. in this world to have fun? Nothing! Because you're out there saying everything we say is wrong! Tired of it! That's Bob Vesco. Uh, w, WSB, whatever, 610, whatever whatever he does in Kansas City. It's not very smart, but he does it. Um, what is it, is it? Doesn't everybody know that? Randy. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Not everybody knew. 
It's the thing that nobody wants to say out loud. Okay. <laughs> Coming up, we've got take it or leave it. Send in your text to the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Yo-HO. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, wow. That, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you kidding me? You snuck it on us. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> yes, I only do it every Rob didn't single do it either. day. Okay, th- Dan, <laughs> yeah. help me out here. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Yo-HO. Beautiful. <laughs> T-O-L-E next Different time. versions. It is. It's great. <laughs> T-O-L-E next time. 101 ESPN. <laughs> the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers it's time for take it or leave it want to say something put it out there if you like it you can take it if you don't send it right back get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing that's my final author Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli. You can send in a text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. We get this one. Randy, you're bad. Your show sucks, and thank God Dan is here to save your butt. Danny, thank you. No problem, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I didn't see that one. Always good to get friendly texts from the 636. (laughs) (laughs) Super friendly. Yeah. So, love it. Uh, Kids, uh, Gene Hackman turns 94 today. You remember him from Hoosiers, and he was in The Firm, and he was great in Runaway Jury. Take it or leave it, Gene Hackman is the most underrated actor of our generation. He also was in with um, Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. What was that movie? Uh, the submarine. Uh, yeah, uh, Hunt for Red October. No, no, that was, uh, no, uh, that was uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I know which one you're talking about. Is it The Conversation? No. Is it uh, Poseidon Adventure? Next line will help us out. Yeah, it will. But it, yeah, he was great in that. He's. I've never seen a Gene Hackman movie that I didn't like. I'm with you. He might be the most underrated guy. He's fantastic. How about Morgan Freeman? I think he's kind of underrated, really too. Really underrated. Mm, yeah, yeah, he is. I'm looking right now. Okay, yeah, I, I recognize a lot of those Crimson movies. Tide. Crimson Tide. That's yes. it. Crimson Tide. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Yes. Yes. I now I recognize. I didn't recognize. I have to be honest. The name at first, but now when I look at his resume of movies, I 100% recognize him. You didn't he, recognize he, Gene Hackman? The name at first. Oh, the name okay. at first. Mm-hmm. The name at first. But now I definitely know who he is. French Love Connection. Him. Mississippi Burning. It's been a lot of great movies. Mississippi Burning. He was incredible. In. Yeah. He's great. Yep. I like that one, Randy. That Thank was a good one. That is a good one. I'm going to have to take it, too. And by the way, if you've never seen Hoosiers, uh, this is a sports show. Watch Hoosiers because it's great. It's one of the one of the great basketball movies. I really time. thought he was going to miss the shot at the Jimmy? end. And the, yeah, and then <laughs> you just go to the credits. Yeah, uh, This is Jimmy Chipwood. Yeah, uh, this is what we call spoiler alert. Oh, I can't have do a, that uh, now. A photo of the team. Oh, do you? And signed by Jimmy Chipwood, personalized to me. Dan, don't stick around and watch the paint dry. Your friend Jimmy Chitwood, and then he put his real name. That's kind of a cool memento that I have from that. That's awesome. That yeah. is. I can't believe that movie is 1986. Wow. It's a great wow. movie. Still holds up. Yep. The basket's still 10 feet tall. <laughs>
<laughs> Take it or leave it, guys. So I have a theoretical fantasy trade. So I'm saying this because this is very important, okay. but I'm also trying to gauge what you guys really think about this quarterback that's going to the Super Bowl. And I personally like Brock Purdy a lot. But yesterday on First Take, Ryan Clark talked about his support for Brock Purdy, saying in part that Purdy has already separated himself from Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott. Take it or leave it, the 49ers would trade for Justin Herbert. Oh, I'll take, take that. Yeah, take it. They would. Granted, Purdy's in a Super Bowl. But Justin, here's the thing. Justin Herbert is a guy that you can win because of. Brock Purdy is a guy that you win with. And that, that's not a bad thing. It's not. But Justin Herbert is a guy that is going to elevate lesser players. Brock Purdy, we don't know yet because he walked into a group but of But he's great going players. to a Super Bowl. He so do you think Bowl. that he has separated with, with what Ryan Clark was saying? Has he separated himself from Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert? I think Dak he has. But uh, Justin Herbert is otherworldly. Justin Herbert is... Uh, his numbers are the best for the first three years in the history of the league. Better than Dan Marino's. I can't uh, focus right now on QBs when I'm thinking Royal Tannenbaums with oh, Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. There oh. you go. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that movie's hilarious. I love that, is, that movie. Great. Have you seen it, though? Yeah, have I have. Okay. Yeah. Brooke, love you it. need to see that. Yes. Royal oh, he's in Heartbreakers, too. That's mm-hmm. another good movie. Unforgiven yeah. was a great movie that he was in. That's another one. See, now I'm going down memory lane a little bit. We're we're making the case that he's the most underrated actor. Yeah, and I I will agree with that. Okay, a recent look at the Cardinals rotation. Their starting five, on average, had a ERA at four, just slightly above four. Take it or leave it, it'll be under four by the end of the season. And I'm going to take that. Wow. Under four. I think the rotation is going to be better than people think. As so, long as they stay healthy, which is what every team is saying right now. You think Miles Michaelis is going to have a big bounce back yep. year? He'll be Lance better. Lynn. Better. Kyle Gibson. Not sure. Okay. Sonny Gray. I like think him that a that's. Lot. Yes, I like Sonny Gray a lot. Sonny came home. Steven Matz. Uh, you have concerns. That kind of goes into the health question. I would love Steven Matz in my bullpen. I think he's. I would too. He's. Comes out, he throws harder. He's willing to throw inside on right-handers where I don't see that. I see him picking more as a starter as opposed to when he's reliever and airs it out. I don't think it will be under four, so I'm going to have to leave it Okay, Gibson for that. last year, 4.73. Lynn, 4.36. Uh, Miles Michaelis, who, by the way, admitted that he basically has a good year every other year. So Exactly. That's that. what I'm going on. <laughs> yep. uh, he, was, he was 4.78. So they're going to have to really dramatically turn around what they did last year. Okay. So I'm going to leave it. But I'm going to say that they're all better than they were last year, except for Sonny Gray. Oh, Randy, come on. Well, how's he going to be better than he was last year? He had a career year. Why can't he just do what he did last year? Well, I would love to see it happen, but except for I would like to see him pitch in more winning games. I really enjoyed Runaway Jury, too. I think that is <laughs> one of the sneaky great movies of all time. Very creatively done. Cusack was great. Yep. Rachel Weisz was great. It was just a really well done movie. You really messed up my whole segment, Randy. That's all I'm thinking about is movies. The yeah, movies. Nothing wrong with that. No. But that's such a great era of movies, though. It's yeah. great. Uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. Andy Reid is a better coach than Bill Belichick. Take it. I'm going to take that. Really, Randy, you do. I didn't see that coming. Well, Andy Reid went to a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb as his yep. quarterback, right? Darn right He's been to uh, how many 
championship games now. Has he been to 12 or 11 or 12 conference championship so games? It's six straight with the Chiefs right now? Yeah. Is and, it, and then he did, four, yeah. he did four straight with the Eagles at yeah, five total. I thought he did six with the Eagles. I was, okay. So I'm not sure. It's 11 or 12. He might so be the greatest coach of all time. He might be. Yeah. Yep. And and he's, uh, well, Joe Gibbs is pretty awesome. The other thing about Reed, and I don't know that this goes to coaching acumen, but his coaching tree is way better than Belichick's coaching tree. And they showed that on the uh, the telecast over mm-hmm. the weekend. It was amazing some of the names that were on that coaching tree that he was a part of. Yeah, he's phenomenal. So uh, Matthew's got the math here. Yeah, so it's it's the four straight and then one more. So it's five in Philly and six in uh, not the six oh, straight in eleven championship. And, and the thing about that is that it's a, he has a six straight and a four straight run. Yeah, in, in, out of those eleven, that's yeah. insane. How many Eagles fans are saying, "Why do we let this guy go?" Uh, a lot of them are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're trying. They're still looking at Nick Foles posters. I think they're fine. Uh, <laughs> taking a leave. The only change for the Blues on the blue line next season will be the subtraction of Marco Scandella. I'm going to leave that. Leave that too. What do you think happens to Nick Letty? I think they might. I think he's under contract still, so he'll be back. But there's guys that you can move at the trade deadline, is what I'm saying. Well, depending on where you're at. Yep. And right now, mm-hmm. they're on the cusp of making the playoffs. And I think they've got to do that. Here's the thing, though. Would you be surprised, and I know Armstrong has never done a buyout before, and things can change over the last third plus of the season, but the way things have gone with Krug, and we know they tried to trade him, would you be surprised if they would buy him out? No. Ooh. No. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe it's just finding the right fit and the right team because it mm-hmm. seemed like you just really didn't want to go to the Flyers, and right. so maybe if you find the right fit for him... Yeah, and then he could. You know what? He could get back to his great power play quarterback ways in the last third of the season, and endear himself to the Blues and Blues fans. What happens to Perunovic? Because his status, I think, is I'm not sure what they what, what where he's at in terms of was he he doesn't hit free agency. I know that, but that'd be a guy too that I'd look at. There's something in a clause in his contract. I think that he hits something. He does after this season. What yeah. am I thinking, Brooke? Um, I know exactly what you're talking about, but yes, he does hit that. And the biggest thing right now though, is that he's dealing with a lower body injury. Yeah. Is so. he ever going to play more than 70 games for you? That's the question that I would have about Perunovic. Can you count on him? Because the most ability, most important ability is avail- staying on availability. the ice. Yes. It yeah. is. Yep. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, Ali Marmol joined friend of the show, Xavier Scruggs, on his show. And Ali had some interesting points about the way he manages. That's next on 101 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Five in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke, Dan, and Randy. And Cardinal skipper Ali Marmal joined uh, former Cardinal Xavier Scruggs on his internet show recently. And Xavier, who had the perception that Ali's managerial 
uh, work is driven by the front office asked about that perception. People like saying, oh, I hate analytics or old school versus new school. Mm. It, it's neither. It's, man, like you're using a ton of information to help you make decisions that are sustainable over time. Right. And when you look at the game, you have to remember you're dealing with humans that have a heartbeat, that experience pressure and anxiety, and some handle the moment a certain way, some don't. Mm -hmm. So it's great to have this information. You use it, right? but at the same time, all you're doing is applying it to what you know and your eyes see mm -hmm. and your gut tells you. So when it comes down to it, yeah, I want as much information as possible. I want to be able to process it, figure out what works, what doesn't, what I like using, what I don't like using. Um, but then you let your eyes see the game and, and you know the personality of the player and you know how they can handle certain things in certain situations. Right. So, um, yeah, you're not letting... A, the numbers just run the game. And I think that's right. a perception that's out there. We're yeah. like, oh, the front offices are running the game. Yeah, that, that is the perception. That is I, I can there. tell you right now, I've yet to have one person from our front office come down and tell me what I should have done in a game or how to run the next game or quite, like that's not how we operate. Right. I can tell you that in St. Louis. Right. Well, that's great. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I hope that Ollie does get better at maximizing the talent that he has then. Because it drives me crazy to see a guy like Hennessy Cabrera come here, have an earned run average of five, and say, I didn't like my role. The Cardinals move him to Toronto and he goes 24 straight games without allowing a run. A manager, if he's running the show, needs to be able to maximize the talent that he has on hand. And I hope Ali, being in charge, is able to do that in 2024. Now, I'm not saying that this was Genesis Cabrera, but just putting this out there, because we know that now managing coaching is so different, especially with younger athletes and maybe how they handle things, or even veterans. I mean, everybody has their certain way of handling this. What about if that player was very... Just the way that they handled that news of maybe with Hennessy's career in that example with the bullpen, that they didn't handle it well and it turned into a big situation behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point where guys all of a sudden go the wrong direction because of frustration. And like he said, they're human beings. And sometimes when frustration gets in or the way they're being used, you know what? You, you just don't get the best out of that player. I think that's legitimate. He said there's certain things in certain situations where and I'm paraphrasing where it may mm -hmm. go against the grain. And I remember there's a couple of instances last year where he had guys on the bench, and I thought, well, this is the perfect matchup for player X, and he went with player Y. And he'll tell you, he goes, this guy's got a great sinker. This player in this position the last two weeks has been hitting a sinker very well. That's why we went with this. Mm -hmm. you know. So on the surface, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but if you go deep into what they're thinking, and that is a human element, it does make sense. I'm not saying it always works out. Best in the world do it three out of ten times when they're at the plate. So sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does. And in terms of the front office dictating what he needs to do, the front office will give him a pile of information prior to a game, prior to a series. It is up to the coaching staff, ultimately the manager, on what he wants to do. After games, I can tell you, front office personnel go down and say, hey, what were you thinking in the sixth? How did that transpire? You know, what was going on in the eighth? Why did we go with this guy? Well, this guy was ouchy. That's why we went with this player. You know, I mean, that stuff is done just, they're debatable 
situations just like we do on talk radio or somebody watching at home is going, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? That's being done behind closed doors, too. Now, Ali is aware of what we say on this show. He's aware of all the criticism that comes his way via the media. How does he handle that criticism? We all handle and have to deal with pressure. It fuels me. Mm. Um, I don't think I would wake up to do the job if the expectations weren't extremely high. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't interest me yeah. anymore. Um, so when the stakes are high, especially in St. Louis, you're expected to win every game, mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. That's what wakes you up in the morning. When you talk about the great players, like they like that pressure. They want the game on the line. They want that situation. Um, so for me, like I enjoy the pressure. I, mm-hmm. I do. Um, is there times where I think we could get into this, but there's a difference between pressure and criticism and we can mm-hmm. talk about the two and how yeah. they're different, but the pressure and the expectations being high in St. Louis is what wakes me up in the morning mm-hmm. and gets me going. If, if the expectation wasn't to win, I'm not sure I would do it. Yeah. And I, I think now in 2024, all Cardinal fans expect us to win. I don't, I don't think style points matter anymore. Like, Last year, they had the number 20 defense in baseball, according to the defensive run saved metric, which they had been top five in since Mike Schilt had taken over, even in Ollie's first year. I think if the Cardinals find a way to win, people will be satisfied. Although I think we would all love to see the Cardinals get back to what their their foundation is, which is it's George Kissel, it's pitching, it's defense, it's being aggressive, it's running the bases well. We would like to see them play clean baseball. But I think now... They're just, I'm just hungry for wins. Everybody is. And winning, you know, winning solves everything. I mean, it's so cliche, but man, is that true? Winning solves everything. I mentioned this the other day. I I did a a fundraiser for Slew Baseball with Ollie. And I said to him before we went on stage, I said, is there anything you want to stay away from or, you know, not address? He said, no, no, no. Go down the the hard questions that you have. And then, so we went for probably 35, 40 minutes about lineup construction, why you do certain things, analytics. We talked a lot about that. His answer to Xavier was very similar to what he said that night. But he also, I loved what he did. I said, does anybody have any questions? And we got through probably three or four. And then he says, this is your shot. If you have anything that you want to ask me about, this is to the crowd. You you throw things at your TV when I'm doing stuff last year or you don't like what I'm doing, this is your shot, and let me try to explain it to you. I respect that. You may not like what he does, but at least he's there to answer the questions, and he's getting tougher questions this offseason because of how poorly they mm-hmm. played last year, and, and that's legitimate. Yeah, and he's well aware of the pressure that he's addressing there. I think the expectation is to win. Of course, you can't go out and win every single game, but I think that the thing that you want to see, different from last season, there was a lot of just bad games. Even in games that they possibly won, you didn't see a fundamentally sound product out there on the field every single game. I think that that's what people will appreciate the most. And to me, that would be the biggest thing for him this season. Of course, you want as many wins as possible. You need to do better than you did last season. But don't you think that a lot of people would just want to see a more fundamentally sound game from the Cardinals this year? Absolutely. And Mo addressed that during the you know winter war. Warm up. He said, we need to get back to playing Cardinal baseball. And 
what happened last year was not acceptable and we need to get back to fundamental baseball to to accentuate your point they know it i mean they've Mm -hmm. got to be better base running they've got to be better in the defensive aspect of the game there's going to be guys that that have slumps and then all of a sudden rest of the guys they slump it's contagious there is momentum in the game but uh I always go to next day starter, and that's somebody that can stop a losing streak. And, you know, they just didn't get quality starts last year. They didn't get guys going five Mm -hmm. or six innings. And when you're relying on your bullpen that much, you're going to have some ugly games, and that's what they had. And I know people say, well, why don't you steal bases more? Well, when you're down 4 nothing early in a game, you're not. That's just the way it goes. I mean, you you got to get back in the game. Base runners are at a premium. you got to keep guys on base. You might hit a home run. You're back in the game. That's just baseball in a nutshell. Those thing, are a lot of things I was looking thing, at. And Whitey, uh, his his teams didn't lose a lot, but th- that was a way for those, and, and it's a different sport now than it was in the 80s, but that was a way for Whitey's teams to score runs. They weren't going to hit home runs, so they had to steal bases. Now, with the ability up and down the lineup for the Cardinals to hit a home run, I don't love it, but I get it. I understand that that's just Same the way thing. the game is played. I'm 100%. And think about how they built that team. It was built for the ballpark. Yeah. It was built for turf. Different era. But I'm with you. I don't like it. I wish they played a more exciting brand of baseball. And that's generally, not just the Cardinals. I wish the game was more exciting. But you sit back, you wait for a home run, and it's dictated by power. Coming up on 101 ESPN, the Blues play the Blue Jackets tonight over at Enterprise Center. We're going to talk to the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As we head into the Blues booth, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Six in a row when they take on the Blue Jackets tonight over at Enterprise Center. The action at 7 on Bally Sports Midwest. You can hear the pregame here on 101 ESPN at 6 o'clock. John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, joins us as he does every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Everything's great. Okay, if you could capsulize why the Blues have been able to win five in a row, what would your primary answer be? Well, I really think two things, Randy, if I can... Go with two? Is that all right with you? Absolutely, yes. You're the one that answered the, asked the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm a rule follower. So, you know, I think two things, honestly. I think great goaltending. Um, I know they've allowed, you know, three goals in the last three games. The last four, they won four straight by four, three scores. Um, but our the Blues goaltenders are making big saves at the big time uh, to keep it maybe a one-goal game or keep it a two-goal game and, um, you know, not fall out of it. So I think that's the that's the number one thing. And number two, it's quite obvious they're scoring big goals to win games and to get back in games. So um, I think those two things are the, the key reasons, the big goals at the right time and the great goaltending. Now, this also might be hard, JK. And if you want to choose more than one, you can. But which is the which one is the player? <laughs> I know we're just going to fire them back to back at you. Which player during this five game win streak has just really stood out to you? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think you'd have to say Shen. Um, you know, he, he's he been so great um, with the big goals and, you know, two overtime goals, obviously, in the last three games. 
Um, it, you know, it comes on the heels of his longest drought of his of his career when he went with 12 games without a goal and, you know, no assists in like 15 or something like that. So it was only a matter of time. We kept saying it, but um, he really is on fire right now. So, you know, I think the other thing about the Blues right now, you know, you mentioned Shen, and it's certainly not one player, but they're getting a lot of production from their top two lines. And so, you know, one night it could be the Thomas line, and the Thomas line was really, really good the other night against the Kings. Um, and the Shen line was really fantastic on the road trip. So it's a double-edged sword. So when you have two hot lines coming at the opposition, it makes it tough to defend. So I think that's another reason why that they're getting – a lot of scoring from a lot of different areas right now. J.K., you have to wonder where this team would be if the power play was just decent at the beginning of the season, and now it's been really good under Drew Bannister. In a nutshell, and try to explain what's happening out there, What what is the difference with the power play now where they're having some success? Well, yeah, Dan, it's it's a very complicated you know thing, obviously. You know that. You know the game of hockey. And, you know, fans, you know, when it wasn't going well – you know, they would ask what's wrong. And, you know, when I'm on a radio show like this, would would ask what's wrong. And it, it really would be disingenuous of me to just say, well, they need to do this and they need to do that because it's such such a complicated thing. Um, but, you know, basically the Blues have, have mixed personnel. Um, they've changed the, the, the key players in key positions. You know, for instance, Sunquist is now the net front presence guy on the second unit. And they've mixed things up. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is probably they've had a shot first mentality a lot more than they did um, in the first couple of months. And if things aren't working for one unit, they're not afraid to put the other unit out there. I I know Bannister did that a couple of times when the second unit would score a goal and then they'd be back out for the next power play. So I, I think those are the reasons, the main reasons why, the power play is a lot better. It is. It was 40% um, going into the last game in the in the previous eight games. So 40% is a great number, obviously. So uh, the changes that Bannister um, have made have really worked, and it's great to see. But you're right, Dan. If the Blues power play had been better in the first couple of months and it was just really, really bad, they would have three or four more victories at least by now, at least three or four. Yeah, absolutely. And, John, I look at the, the Blues, and uh, they're all really good players. They have to be to play in the NHL. But when your third line is Hayes, Toropchenko, and Walker, for a lot of Blues teams, that would have been a fourth line. And then you've got Sunquist, Alexandra, Blay. That was the, the group the other day. I think, and this is a credit to them, I think they're actually playing above their talent level right now. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I think that we're seeing good shifts after shift, and – you know, for instance, if the Shen line has a good shift and then one of those other two lines come out there, they continue it. So it, it's it's continuing the momentum, and, and that's great to see because if you lose the momentum, it's hard to get it back. And, you know, a player that probably doesn't get a lot of notoriety that I think has really helped his team is Nathan Walker. Mm-hmm. He has come up, and he has played really well with, with Hayes and Torpchenko, and Hayes needs speed on his line because obviously he, he doesn't have a ton of speed. But when you put faster players with him, he's a more effective player. And Nathan Walker plays the right way. He plays a direct game, he has good speed, and he can score some goals. I think he scored three goals since his, his recall from the minors. So uh, he's also feisty. He doesn't turn down a hit. So I think Nathan Walker coming up about a month ago, uh, sort of an under-the-radar kind of move 
that has really helped the team and in particular helped the bottom six. All right, uh, J.K., the Blues will have 10 days off after tonight's game because of the All-Star break and then uh, their little bye. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Blues right now? Well, you know, I think you could argue both ways, Randy. Um, obviously, they're, they're red hot and you want to keep it going. Um, but, you know, they're starting to get a few more injuries. I don't think Falk is going to be ready to go. We'll find out at the morning skate today. Um, Perunovic obviously left the game the other night. So, you know, that's two defensemen down. Um, but they played a lot of hockey. And, you know, that road trip they just went on, you know, I know it was only three games and it was over a four-day span, but it was a lot of miles, a lot of air miles. And, you know, I, I was really pleasantly surprised the way they played on Sunday against the Kings, an afternoon game after flying home Saturday. Um, so they put on a lot of miles the last you know month. And really going back to even the start of December, this team's played a ton of road games. So I, I think overall it's probably a good thing that the break is where it's at right now. I but, think it's uh, kind of a must-win game, John. And I know that sounds crazy tonight, but you're taking on a lesser team without one of their top players. And if you're the coaching staff, I'm sure they reiterate this point a thousand times today. Don't look ahead to the break. Take care of business, get the two points, then worry about the break. Do you agree with that? I agree. It's a trap game, Dan, no question. They just beat a really good team in L.A. And they lost to Columbus on December 8th, 5-2. to two. And then the next night they went into Chicago and lost to a bad Chicago team. Um, and then, of course, lost to Detroit. And that's when they made the coaching change. So, um, you, you can't you can't lose these type of games. Is it must win? No, it's not really must win. We know that. But it's one of those games that you really, really should have and need to have to continue that momentum into the break. Because after the break, the Blues have a three-game road trip uh, to Buffalo, Montreal, and Toronto. So that's, that's a tough trip, obviously. So um, I, I think it's as close to a must win as you could get, Dan, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And four of those le- first six out of the break, unusually, are day games. The first two, Buffalo as you, and Montreal, as you mentioned, both noon games. And then uh, they've got a 4 o'clock game here against Nashville. And then on President's Day, they've got uh, Toronto here in town at noon. Does it make any difference to you doing a, a day game or a night game, John? No, I love it. No morning skate, guys. <laughs> day. And my nights are open, right? And I think the player I don't know, I think the players like day games because of those, quite honestly, um, you know, then you have nights off. So, you know, they have to prepare any way that they, they have to, regardless if it's a, you know, West Coast game or a noon game at home, whatever. I mean, they have to be professionals and get ready to go, but I, I really don't think it makes a big difference. The travel is tough sometimes on an announcer, too, so you get a break. And uh, what, what are you going to do, J.K.? Are you going to hang out at home or are you going to take a little vacation? No, we're going to hang out at home. We have some trips planned for the spring and summer. Um, so we're going to just hang out here for the next 10 days and just chill. And, you know, the weather's getting pretty good. Dan, maybe a little golf. You never know. Thursday, 60 degrees. Not that I'm taking note right. of that. Mm-hmm. Just, exactly. uh, just taking a look at it, JK. You might want to think about that. Yeah, no doubt. John <laughs> Kelly, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight and have yourself a great break. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you. That's John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues. You'll see him tonight with Jamie Rivers on Valley Sports. Coming up, I have to defend our honor with the fight. I lost yesterday. I was a loser. Did it change the whole complexion of the show? Because you get in bad moods, man, when you drop one. Ruined my day, Dan. Did it really? Yeah, I was upset. Well, today, if you lose, you know, you're going to go to the Fenton Bar and Grill and, and as you have said. Open-faced turkey sandwich. Absolutely. And mm. life's going to be yep. good. Have some of that uh, hard-working lager That's from right. Fenton Bar and Grill, their own beer. Hey, you'll you'll have that sandwich. You'll be with friends. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to move on, I think. 
I hope. I hope, too. Yeah. I hope. Speaking of Nor- Morgan Freeman. Matt, do we need a fighter? No, we oh, got a fighter. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. What we am do. I saying? I'm a loser, Dan. I, I, You're I, not I, a loser, Randy. Well, thanks. Bro. I don't know what I'm thinking. All Let's right. go to break. A break uh, <laughs> and then fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. to the opening drive. Brooke Rimsley here alongside Danny Mac, Randy Carriker, Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And Dan, yesterday, the mighty mega mine was taken down by Dan. So we say hi to Dan. How are you doing today, Dan? Are you ready for round two? Which one are you talking to? To the the winner yesterday, Dan. Oh, that Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey. Hey, good morning. Sorry we missed you yesterday, Dan. Well, I I know. I feel the same (laughs) way. Do you go by Dan, Danny, or Daniel? I go by Dan, unless I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm in the same boat, man. When I got in trouble, Mom said, Daniel. So I'm with you on that one. But good luck today, and and go take down Randy. Let's see what you got. Appreciate it. All right, you ready for question number one? Fire away. Quarterbacks have taken home 46 of the 67 NFL MVP awards. Who is the last non-quarterback to win the MVP? Is it Derrick Henry, Chris Johnson, or Adrian Peterson? Uh, go Derek Henry. No, sorry, Chris Johnson. Is that your final, final answer, sir? Final answer, Chris Johnson. Okay, question two. Which team owns the largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl? Bears over the Patriots, Seahawks over the Broncos, the Niners over the Broncos. Can you repeat those three again? Which team owns the largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl? Bears over the Patriots, Seahawks over the Broncos, Niners over the Broncos. Seahawks over the Broncos. Which team won the most games in Major League Baseball last year? Is it the Atlanta Braves, the Baltimore Orioles, or the L.A. Dodgers? Orioles. Is that your final answer, sir? That is my final answer. Question four, please. There are two (laughs) Hall of Fame coaches in NFL history to never coach a losing season. Vince Lombardi and who else? Bill Walsh, Bud Grant, or John Madden? Hmm. Uh, Bill Walsh. Okay. We have four questions that have been answered. Now it's time to bring in Randall Carricker. <laughs> Randall. <laughs> Should we do that now? Should we just do everybody Daniel in here? Randall. Come on in, Randall. Randy, during these uh, little breaks in which he leaves the studio, enjoy some grapes and uh, replenishes for the stretch run of this epic program on 101 ESPN. Don't we, Randy? We do, Dan. Okay. Mm. Get that grape down, man. I don't want you slurring and, you know, eating on the air. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. All right. And you remember Dan from yesterday, hi, Randy. Dan. Say yes, hi, Dan. Good him morning. Again. How are you doing, sir? Hey, doing well, Randy. Doing well. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Good luck. All right, Randy or Randall. 
question? Uh, Randy, no. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm loose and fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not stuffy. What about Ran? We just shortened Ran, it even more. Like Ran Carthon? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I, I like winning. Oh, okay. We're going to get started with question number one. (laughs) Anyways, quarterbacks have taken home 46 of the 67 NFL MVP awards. Who is the last non-quarterback to win MVP? Last quarterback to win. uh, Non-quarterback. Non-quarterback. So you had Von Miller, and that was 15, I think, 2015. Uh, And then after that, you've had... I don't you think you've had a running back, right? Mahomes has won a few. Um, have you had a wide receiver? I don't think so. Um, so I And uh, Von Miller was after Malcolm Smith because the Broncos won after Seattle did. I'm just trying to think. Hmm? Uh, regular season MVPs? Oh, regular season MVP. I thought it was Super Bowl MVP. There haven't been 67 Super Bowls, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, okay, regular season MVP, uh, last non-quarterback to win the regular season MVP and the Super Bowl? No. Just just last non-quarterback to, to win the NFL MVP. NFL MVP. Okay. Regular season. Okay. Regular season. Okay. Um, I, I thought I heard the Super Bowl in there somewhere. Mm-mm. It's just okay. quarterbacks have taken home 46 of the 67, 67. NFL MVP awards. Okay, got it. Uh, last one... To win uh, last non-quarterback. Well, it wasn't a defensive player. So we're probably looking maybe at Adrian Peterson running back. Uh, I don't know if there's been uh, since then. I I think Adrian Peterson's a pretty safe bet. I'll go with Adrian Peterson. Would that be your final answer, Randy? Final answer, yes. Question two. Which team owns the largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl? Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, 85 Bears won 46 to 10. Uh, 94 Chargers, 49 to 14, I think. Um, The 89 49ers, 55 to 10 over the Broncos. I was at that game. Uh, Hard to imagine that somebody would have done more than that. Right? A 45-point margin of victory? I don't know. You have to answer the questions, Randy. I'm going to go with this is largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl game. That's correct. I will go with the, the 49ers over the Broncos 55-10 to 10 by 45 points. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer, sir. Question number three. Which team won the most games in Major League Baseball in 2023? 2023. That was last year. Just in case uh, you didn't know. <laughs> Doyers would seem to be the logical choice here, right? They always went over 100. You had Baltimore over 100. You had Houston over 100. Uh, you had Atlanta over 100. I, I'm just going to say that the... Uh, oh, hell, I don't know. I'll do the lifeline here. That's a stupid lifeline to use, but I'll do it anyway. Why not? You yeah. know? Yeah. The Atlanta Braves... Baltimore Orioles or the L.A. Dodgers. Okay, well, I just gave myself a lifeline there. A lot of options. Yeah, there are. (laughs) Um, I will... uh, Who had the home field in the National League? So you had Atlanta get a bye. 
Did the Dodgers? Dodgers lost. The Dodgers didn't win the World Series, did they? Um, neither did the Braves. So I'm trying to think of that first round because you had buys. Oh, sure. I yeah. can understand that. Yeah. Uh, and so you had Philadelphia beating Atlanta, I think, and then the Doyers uh, lost to Arizona. I'm going to go with uh, who would have. I'm going to say the Doyers would have had to play at Atlanta. I'm going to go, and I'm just going to leave the Orioles out of this. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves, Brooke. Is that it, Randy? That's it. Final answer. Okay, question four. There are two Hall of Fame coaches in NFL history to never coach a losing season. Hmm. Vince Lombardi and who else? Vince Lombardi. Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, well, Bill Walsh had a losing season. Uh, George Hallis had a losing season. Don Coriel had a losing season. Dick Vermeil had a losing season. Just get to the answer, Randy. I'm just trying to... You're spitballing, aren't you? Uh, I'm totally spitballing. You're just spitballing. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you know what I think I'm going to do here? You're out of lifelines. Oh, I'm out of lifelines. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Jimmy Johnson had a losing season. I think I'm going to go with... Uh, I think I'm going to go with Madden because Madden took over a pretty good program and he left after his 10th season and seemed to make the playoffs a lot. So I am going to go with Coach Madden. Final answer. Final answer. It's a lot of coaches in the Hall of Fame. Oh, they, that sure through. is. Yeah. We have a winner in today's fight. Does Randy Carricker take back the title or does Dan move on to a potential Hall of Fame shot in round three? Ring. That bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. I'm so sorry, Dan, but Randy Carricker hit the jack. He beat you today four to nil. Yeah, I had a feeling. Didn't feel good about that one. <laughs> it, was, it was a tricky one. Let's go through those questions, and Let's go through those answers. Quarterbacks have taken home 46 of the 67 NFL MVP awards, and it is Adrian Peterson, the last non-quarterback to win. It's been a wild run for the past th- uh, throwers, I should say, in the NFL lately. I think it's like 14 or 15 straight at this point. Which team owns the largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl? It is, in fact, the Niners over the Broncos, a 45-point win. The Atlanta Braves won the most games in Major League Baseball in 2023 with 104. The Baltimore Orioles won 101 and the Dodgers won 100 even and there are two Hall of Fame coaches in NFL history to never coach a losing season Vince Lombardi and John Madden and through that research I found out that did you know that Tom Landry's first season with the Cowboys you know what his record was Randy they were uh, what 11 and 1 oh 11 and 1 was Tom Landry's first season with the, with the Cowboys which I had no idea at all mm-hmm. which kind of fascinates me so a 4 nothing win for Randy character in the fight today Dan thank you so much for joining the fight the last two days well you're welcome Thank you. Have a blessed day, everyone. I was going to say caller, Dan, but that would confuse you. Hey, uh, Randy. Mm -hmm. So Madden was, what, 32 when he was head coach of the Raiders? I believe so, yes, sir. Has there been a younger head coach? There's got to be, right? Sean McVay. I was Mm -hmm. outside of McVay. I think Shula might have been. Don Shula, when he started, might have been 31. Okay. I just couldn't remember. I knew McVay. I couldn't think of anybody else. That... uh, what was it? Montana had what five TDs in that Super Bowl you attended? Yes, Jerry Rice was the MVP. 
Are you uh, sure about that? I thought Montana may have been. No, I think that's the year that Rice went over 200 yards receiving in the okay. Super Bowl. There have been eight head coaches signed uh, 32 years or younger. Wow. Sean McVay is the youngest ever at 30 years, 11 months. Lane Kiffin, Harlan Svar, John Mickelson, Raheem Morris, David Shula, Josh McDaniels, and John Madden. Those are all the coaches hired at 32 years or younger. Don Shula at the, with the Colts was 33 years and four days old. Wow. Okay. There you Pretty go. Good. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, if you hate the Chiefs, do you hate them for the right reasons? That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'll admit that I'm not perfect. I hate some, I hate some folk. But when I hate them, <laughs> I have good reason for it. And I hate's a big folk. word, and I, I legitimately do hate a couple of people. Who? Let me guess. <laughs> Stan Kroenke uh-huh. and Kevin Dimoff. Mm. Those are two of them, Dan. Okay. Yeah. So if if I saw those two, um, like if if they were out at Creevecore Lake and they fallen oh. into the water and they couldn't swim and they were drowning and I only had one piece of rope to toss out to them. I just grabbed my lawn chair and watched the show. That'd be it. Yep. Dan, I feel like we can't react to that because we might be an accessory to something here. <laughs> I feel like we, we, we just have to pretend like he didn't just say that. No, nope, that's when I, if you ever notice, I just say at nine o'clock we have the rush hour reset. So, but here's the thing, kids. There are people in town and th- this is how this came about. There are people in town and I have a good reason for not liking Kroenke and Demoff, right? They took my football team away. There are people that hate the Kansas City Chiefs. I have no problem with hating the Kansas City Chiefs. But if you're going to hate them, hate them for the right reasons. Well, and there is this, I guess you could put meme in this category, a meme circulating right now on social media that people are using to kind of condemn yeah. Hunt. And Brooke, I want yes. people to know, that's how I get all my information is through memes on the internet. Isn't that what everybody does now? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Memes are the new propaganda. Can we all agree on that? Sorry, <laughs> that's a whole separate discussion. Yeah. But okay. memes are the new propaganda, are yeah. they not? They are. They yeah. are. So there's a meme that is circulating right now on social media. You can see it everywhere where people are using this. They're sharing this to justify the reason for the hatred of Hunt mm-hmm. and why you shouldn't be cheering on the Chiefs. So it says the Hunt family loves St. Louis, question mark. So I'm going to run down these situations they have on here, Randy. Can you we tell me if it's true point or not. by point? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. 1964, threatened to block AFL to St. Louis. Well, Brooke, the... St. Louis Cardinals came to St. Louis from Chicago in 1960. The American Football League was not coming to St. Louis in 1964. They had no inclination, if they were going to expand, to come here and try to compete with the NFL in St. Louis. So I I wasn't around as a broadcaster. I wasn't aware of what was happening in 1964. But I can tell you definitively that... Even if they did block the AFL to St. Louis, it wouldn't have mattered because we already had the NFL and we were four years into the NFL existence with the Cardinals. We weren't L.A., we weren't New York, uh, we, we weren't Chicago, we weren't going to be a market that had both the NFL and the AFL. So this is preposterous and wrong. 1988, voted to allow Big Red to move to AZ, Arizona. And at that point, we had 28 teams in the NFL and the vote was 27 27- Zero and one. The Raiders abstained. 
St. Louis have made it clear that they were not going to build a stadium for Bill Bidwill. Everybody around the league knew the deficiencies of the old Bush Stadium and that St. Louis did need a new stadium and there was no reasonable move made on the part of St. Louis to keep the Cardinals here. And Bill Bidwill was essentially pushed out of town by the people at Civic Progress, who, by the way, went on the record and said that if a stadium was built in the county, this is the most powerful business people in St. Louis, that if a stadium was built in the county, that they would not buy luxury suites. He was pushed out of town. Bill Bidwill was. Okay. So let's go with that one. And so that... If you were a reasonable business person, if you were the National Football League, any NFL owner at that time, and I hated the fact that the Cardinals left, but it was a business move that had to be made for them to be able to sustain their business. 1995, initially voted to block Rams, move to St. Louis. Again, the the v- league vote was unanimous. And we talked yesterday about League Think and the Hunt family. Lamar Hunt was all in on League Think. This is a guy that came up with the name for the Super Bowl. He, he was all about doing things in concert with the rest of the league and with Pete Rozelle. And it's one of the reasons that the NFL is what it is, is because they did practice league think with revenue sharing and with NFL properties and with the way they ran their business. And until Georgia filed a lawsuit, yes, they did vote for the, uh, against the Rams move to St. Louis. And then once Georgia threatened with a really good foundation for a lawsuit to sue the league. Uh, they voted against it, but then once the lawsuit was threatened, then they voted for the move to St. Louis. 2015, the only owner to vote against the Carson Project. And I've I've mentioned this ad nauseum, but it wound up being a prescient move on the part of Clark Hunt because he told that group of people that included Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, Bob McNair, late owner of the Houston Texans, Jerry Richardson, late owner of the Carolina Panthers, John Mara, owner of the Giants, and Art Rooney, owner of the Steelers. He got in that room, Clark Hunt did, and said, look... We can't even count on support for one team in Los Angeles, let alone two. That's why he voted for Inglewood, because at that time, everybody was thinking it was only going to be the Rams that moved to L.A. And the other option was to have the Chargers and the Raiders move there. And as has proven to be correct, L.A. will not support a team other than the Raiders. When you watch Rams or Chargers games, it's mostly people from the other team. The city of Los Angeles is not supporting two teams, and they... His concerns about them being able to support two, let alone one, let alone two, wound up being great foresight on his part. And finally, also in 2015, voted for Rams to move to L.A. Again, falls in. This is Clark Hunt falls into the concept of league think. So that's the meme that a lot of people are buying into, thinking that Clark Hunt had something to do with the Rams moving to L.A. Jerry Jones is the reason that the Rams moved to L.A. Eric Grubman, Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones. Clark Hunt had nothing to do with the Rams moving to L.A. And oh, by the way, if he votes against the move of the Rams to L.A., then the vote is 29 to 3, and it still passes. Sure, Michael Bidwell and Jerry Richardson voted against the move. But the fact of the matter, and this is the fact of the matter, that it didn't matter if that vote was six to nothing. If Clark Hunt would have voted to make it a six nothing committee vote, Jerry Jones walked into that building that day in Houston, into that hotel, with the knowledge that he was going to steamroll the process and get the Rams to L.A. And he did, uh, with the help of Goodell and, to an extent, Eric Grubman. So that, if you don't like Patrick Mahomes, Fine, that's a good reason to hate the Chiefs. If you never liked him, if you thought the rivalry, you know, if you don't like Kansas City, good reason. But 
to hate the Chiefs because you think Clark Hunt had anything at all to do with the Rams move to L.A. or that he wanted to the St. Louis market is absolutely preposterous. And I think that's the biggest, sorry, Dan, I think that that's the biggest takeaway from this is that you aren't saying, of course, everybody has their own opinions and choices with this, if you like the Chiefs or not. But more, this is about you squashing the rumors that Hunt had anything to do with really the perception of this is why you shouldn't like the Chiefs because Hunt had a hand in a lot of the St. Louis Rams. And their yeah, movement. Yeah. Well, he, Clark Hunt didn't. That's the thing. It's uh, Clark Hunt is one owner out of 32. He certainly, though, has to like the fact that he's got this side of the state, I would say. Wouldn't you agree with that? I wonder what he's getting out of it. I think I, he's I'm got sure some there's... people traveling over there. Yeah. I don't I mean, it makes but a small dent in what they do. The thing is, they were selling out games, and they had a lot of St. Louis fans coming over there well before the Rams ever sure. came to St. Louis. When they got Montana and when they had Schottenheimer and winning, there they, they, are a lot of season ticket holders that go over there. They they weren't didn't start buying season tickets after the Rams left because the, the Chiefs were already selling out on probably, a season ticket basis. Generally speaking, though, again, small dent, probably been good for business for them. Very small. I mean, yeah. because if they sell a jersey at Rally House— there's this thing called NFL properties. Every jersey that is sold, whether it's a Chiefs or a Dolphins or a Cowboys, well, not Cowboys because Jerry Jones opted out of NFL properties, but Chiefs, Raiders, Commanders, Cardinals, they all go into a pot and all the money from all every jersey and everything with an NFL logo, logo on it goes into one pot and is split equally among 32 teams. And then the Cowboys stuff goes to Jerry Jones. You were asking the question, you know, do you dislike, paraphrasing, dislike mm-hmm. the Chiefs? Here's a general point of view, is that when you have success, people want to knock you down. Mm-hmm. I go back to the Spurs and their run, Cardinals, their run. St. Louis Cardinals, meaning the uh, baseball team, and now what you're dealing with with the Chiefs. I think fans, they want to put the, when you have that kind of success, it seems like people want to knock you down. And that's no just generally. It. Yeah. But, All right. And that's a, that's a fine reason. If if you don't like the Chiefs and you don't like Duke basketball and you don't like Alabama that's another football, good one. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. That's, that's a good reason. There, that uh, Hating the winner is fine. I'm just trying to find the, the right reason, and Clark Hunt is not the right reason to hate the Kansas City Chiefs in St. Louis. So there you have it. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's 9.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues and the Blue Jackets tonight, pregame at 6 here on 101 ESPN. The action coming your way with Curbs and Joey at 7 o'clock. Brooke is here. Dan is here. I'm Randy. And uh, there is stuff going on in the world of sports, including the fact that... uh, Robert Thomas is going to join us tomorrow before oh. he heads out to the All-Star Game in Toronto. Is that, is that our lead Robert sports Thomas. story? We want to promote. We're, we're uh, spinning it forward here. So we're we going to carry the uh, NHL All-Star Game? I bet we do. I think mm. we should if we don't. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Sorry, Brooke. I probably no, interrupted fine. you. No. I, w- I was going to say we had that revelation earlier that we probably shouldn't be calling him Robbie Tommy, I guess. I, I do I don't know for a fact. I just heard that maybe he doesn't like the Robbie Tommy. I don't Mm -hmm. know, Randy. I don't know, Brooke. I don't know for a fact. Just word on the street. And I'll leave it at that. The streets are talking, huh? Yeah. The streets are talking. We just, we'll call him, we'll do, instead of our Robbie Tommy, because we went through Bobby Tommy, clap, 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 and then Mm -hmm. we went to Robbie Tommy, clap, and now we do Robert Thomas. Yeah. And then 
Yeah, that's, uh, it's just Rob. 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 Robert Thomas. Somebody said Matchbox 20 earlier. Yeah, Rob Thomas. Yeah, that. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've been banging the drum for Smooth for like three years, and it's just... Not working? People just don't understand how it works. It's, uh, it's the perfect nickname for him, and yet... Did you guys see Dylan Brooks hit LeBron in the face last night? Shocking. I couldn't believe that happened. Mm. So, it was like Dylan Brooks is a malcontent. Uh, yeah, he well, didn't he get into it with LeBron during the playoffs last year? That's what I'm saying. So he, yeah. he's, he's trying to show how tough he is. I don't think that's the best move if you're an NBA player, to be slamming LeBron James to the floor with a forearm to the face. Can you imagine the uh, NBA, those in New York, watching that game? No, yeah. no, no. You don't yeah. touch that guy. Yeah. There's certain guys you just don't touch. Right. He's one of them. Yeah. And, and it, it was interesting. And by the way, he, he did suffer a little bit of comeuppance, but it was interesting right when it happened, Brooks walked away and LeBron's laying on the floor and nobody does anything. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I noticed that too. I, I just think in the competition to get physical, that's fine, but like what we saw last night, no. no. That's egregious. Shouldn't happen. Yeah. And especially to your top players. Yeah. And, and uh Jared Vanderbilt uh Got some comeuppance and got thrown out of the game, but yep. credit to him for standing up for his teammate. I still love watching LeBron. I, I know the NBA is not huge in St. Louis. If you follow basketball, though, I love to follow basketball. Not as much as I was when Slew and Mizzou were doing well. <laughs> so I kind of deviated to some of the games that I watch on TV. But when LeBron is on, I watch. He's 39 years he's old, a, he's still having an incredible season. Incredible season. And he could be... I don't, I don't know if Bron, Bronny is going to make it now. You know, Bronny's not yeah. even starting for USC. And earlier, LeBron said that Bronny could play for the Lakers. But I could easily see LeBron playing for four more years, right? Play, Absolutely. Playing 20 minutes and 20, 20 minutes, 20 points a game? I, I think that that's highly likely. Now, with Bronny, though, do you guys think that he makes it to the league? I think his dad will make sure he makes it to the yeah, league. Yeah, I, I would say that that's the, his best opportunity. And that'll put a lot of pressure on him. But if you can't start for USC in your freshman year and USC isn't great, I think that that's probably going to prevent you from being at least an NBA draft pick. Now, maybe you, you get picked up as a free agent and you fly on dad's coattails for a little while. Has there ever been a father-son combination in the NBA? No. This mm-hmm. is the first. Never. Yeah. Wow. Obviously, Major League Baseball has had that. No way that football has had that. So this would be the first in the NBA. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? It is. It is. I, I think it'd be great to see. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals start spring training now in a couple of weeks, right on Valentine or right the day before Valentine's Day is when everybody has to show up. And Moises Gomez, we hardly knew you. Well, he's not technically gone yet. I mean, he could clear waivers and he could go unclaimed and the Cardinals bring him back but anytime that you see that Moises Gomez I think that I think a lot of people get worried about it being a situation that we've seen play out before but I feel like this is a little bit different here right because with him there wasn't a position for him now he has hit 69 home runs in the past two seasons in the minors for Mm -hmm. the Cardinals but it seemed like there wasn't a opportunity for him here how do you guys feel about Alfonso Rivas? Is that how you Rivas. say it? Rivas. Rivas. How do you feel about him coming in? I guess it gives you 
and he's now on the 40-man roster, so they needed to clear space for that. I guess it gives you a veteran presence that if something would happen, he can play first base, he can play a few different positions, that if something happened, at least you'd have a major league talent that would come back to the major league. So it gives you depth. I don't anticipate him making the club, and he would give you more depth than anything with this team. And in terms of Gomez... If, if he wasn't going to make it up here with some of the numbers that he put up, it, it's not like Randy Rosarena or Dolis Garcia, I would doubt, is that other teams gave up on him. Um, even though he hit a lot of bombs, there's probably something that they see that uh, would obviously make them not want to keep him. I mean, yeah. the coaching staff maybe saw something, gaps in his swing. It doesn't translate to Major League Baseball, but... I was looking forward to seeing him getting a shot at some mm-hmm. point, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. Probably his strikeout rate. That yeah. could be yeah. a big reason right. why. And I'm sure that the Cardinals tried to shop him around for possibly something, because I think that's the other part where people would say, well, why wouldn't you try to get something for him in return? And I'm sure they did try to shop him around a little bit. Yeah, and it just wasn't there. Revis, by the way, last 12 months, January 5th, 2023, released by the Cubs. January 11th, 2023, signed with the Padres. August 1st of 23, traded by the Padres to the Pirates in the deal for G-Man Choi and Rich Hill. November 2nd, 2023, selected off waivers by the Guardians from the Pirates. December 22nd, 2023, selected off waivers by the Angels from the Guardians. And then January 29th of 2024, uh selected by the Cardinals off waivers from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It just gives you depth. Yeah, it 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 does. does. And you don't know how good Alec Burleson would be. Who is your backup? If if Goldie would go down, who's your guy? I I think it's Burleson. Yeah, but this guy, like you said, gives you some insurance. You can, and he can play a little bit in the outfield, but you have that guy sitting in Memphis to play first base for Memphis. And unless it's Luke and Baker down there, but it just does. It gives you a little bit of insurance. There's nothing wrong with that. Burleson is blocked a little bit. You know, he's not a great outfielder. They want him to get in better shape. Apparently, he has done that. You're not going to play first base. But there's a lot of people that think in the organization, if this guy got a shot, he could really hit. Mm-hmm. Really hit. Much better than he's done already. So I, he's, he's intriguing to me, Burleson. Okay, earlier on in the show... We gave you our favorite players, and I just want to give them again. We wanted we gave you our favorite players that we would like the Cardinals to have gotten during the offseason. I said Aaron Nola. Brooke, your choice was? I said Josh Hader. That's a good one. And Danny Mack? I went with just about uh, every reliever that was out there. <laughs> uh-huh. But um, I, I think my favorite was just signed by the Cubs, and that was uh, Hector Neris. Neris. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have signed several players, not those players, but they have signed several players that they hope add to their leadership. And Ali Marmol talked about that with Xavier Scruggs. And we'll hear what Ali had to say about veteran leadership coming up on the opening drive with Brooke, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What did you refer to the uh, the Cardinals' new pitchers as? Uh, just it, it was a compliment, Randy. It really I, was. I know it was. Season and experience. Yeah, there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's always a good thing, right? It, well, especially when you've got a guy that 
in Kyle Gibson that has pitched for a World Series team two years ago and a team that won 102 games mm-hmm. last year. He, he knows how to win. You've got a guy in Lance Lynn. We know how gritty and tough he is, and he's a, a winning pitcher. We, we know that. And Sonny Gray was second in the in the Cy Young voting, although he doesn't really have that winning pedigree in his history that the others have. Uh, he's been around, you know. And then you bring in Matt Carpenter. So the Cardinals are working on their clubhouse leadership. And that's something that Xavier Scruggs in his interview with Ali Marmol asked about was the, the new leadership in the Cardinal clubhouse. How do you deal with a personality like Puos? How do you deal with a personality like Yadier Molina and, and what those guys, where it may differ and what that communication looks like, they, especially with yeah. so much time in the game, too? with them they've earned a tremendous amount of respect mm. and you treat them that way because they've earned it yeah um where you have issues or eyes like when you haven't earned it and you're expecting it mm. um those guys have played the game and wait a, you've had players like those guys have played the game <laughs> <laughs> a certain way where man like they, they've earned every bit uh of that mm. so Hmm. They've well, earned every bit of that. Now, what do you, who do you think that he was thinking about when he kind of made that little joke about certain players? Wanted to be a leader, but they didn't have the cachet? I don't know. Who do you think? Tyler O'Neill, possibly. But it seemed like things have cleared up between them. But I think that it's a very good point where you do have to coach differently, and maybe the expectation is different. We were talking about this earlier, about younger athletes now kind of have a different approach or a different expectation of their relationship with their coach or manager now. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Mm -hmm, No doubt. That maybe this, we saw it happen with Craig Berube and even with Drew Bannister. I've said it time and time again. I don't think the message is any different between Craig Berube and Drew Bannister of what they were looking for in their players and what they're trying to get out of them. It's just a different messenger and a different style of message for those younger players where they can relate to it better. I think you handle superstars differently. Yeah, you do. They've earned it. I think you handled Pujols perfectly. You know, Albert was pretty close to calling it quits mm-hmm. in, yeah. the, in the middle of the right, season. Right, the All-Star break. Yeah. yeah, and it was Ali that convinced yep. him to stick around, and he did it in a way that was private, and he did it in a way that he, he said to him, paraphrasing here, but you mean so much more to this organization and the game besides what you're doing on the field. And so he decided to come back, and then the rest is history. He was awesome. I thought how he handled Molina in his final season was great. You know, making sure he was on the Wainwright starts, set the all-time record, listen to him, listen to how he handles the clubhouse. That was important. Yep. That was really important. I, I just think that you handle superstars a little bit differently. As long as the effort is there, then maybe some other players that haven't garnered that type of attention before. And, Dan, with those guys and with these new guys – And we've watched a lot of managers. Managers don't spend time in the clubhouse. So good or bad leadership is going to come to the fore from the players. Tony wasn't around the clubhouse. He was was in his office. He wasn't in the clubhouse all the time. You know, he'd walk through now and then. But the best, well, I don't think any manager is in the clubhouse all the time. It's the players that have to take it upon themselves. And when you do have players that are trying to lead in the wrong way, in a non-winning way, that's when you have issues. And one of the things that we know about Gibson, Lynn, and Marp, Marp has played on winning teams, is that they know how to lead in a winning way. 
Marp was on the 2011 team. Yeah, mm-hmm. people right. forget that. He's and got so a Lynn. Yep. What are you doing here? He's got a World Series ring. <laughs> right. You know, so those two guys have done that. 2013 obviously was a big year, and Marp was awesome in that five to seven year stretch. I think they do have veterans. I think they've got guys that'll clean up the clubhouse. And to your point, Randy, it's it's policed by the players. Yeah, and you have to have certain leaders that step up. Now, if it's going to be Nolan Arenado, will it be Paul Goldschmidt. To the to the point that you just made, those players that you just mentioned, there's guys that gravitate towards the pitchers, those that do that, and there's guys that are position players that gravitate towards them. There's everyday players that have to make sure they step up and lead by example, but also sometimes put your arm around them or give them some tough love along the way. And I could see a guy, maybe not this year, but a guy like Jordan Walker, ascending to that level because he's just got such a magnetic personality he can be a face of the franchise guy but not for me yet no not yet but he he could and that's where having a guy like matt carpenter around if he observes a guy like paul goldschmidt it can really benefit him he can become that guy another player brendan donovan brendan Mm -hmm. donovan is very well respected in that clubhouse even by nolan arenado and paul goldschmidt and i say even by because obviously his performance but the way that he also uses his voice he talked about this during winter warm-up that he is going to even step up even more so as a veteran leader jordan walker you were talking about he talked about how Brennan Donovan has helped him so much and has actually been almost like another hitting coach for him. So I think Donovan is another emerging leader there. Now, when we talk about all this veteran presence being added and getting the clubhouse back in control of that, a lot of people then look to why weren't Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato those guys last season? Is that a knock on them? I think it's a knock on Arenado a mm-hmm. little bit. I think there was some frustration with him and it was kind of pointed to Goldschmidt having to carry the weight of this stuff and so Arenado's got to be more of a leader this year I would think I think Goldie will be more of a leader this year more so than even he already has been and I look at like Walker Donovan maybe even Tommy Edmond depending on how Mm -hmm. long he stays here that's the next wave of leaders of this team that's how I look at it and it is a big deal people might be saying why are you talking about this it's just go out and play ball Leadership is a big deal connectivity is a big deal caring about each other is a big deal and the uh, uh, every great team I've ever been around in any sport has really good leadership. And there's teams that don't get along, but they yeah. still have leaders. Yep. And here's the th- it comes down to winning. If you win, you don't hear about, well, this guy wasn't a leader and this guy needs to take more of a responsibility and this guy needs to help out the pitching staff. When you win, you don't hear about right. it. But does winning breed chemistry or does chemistry breed winning? I, I tend to, to lean towards the latter, that if you have good people, if you collect good people, and build chemistry, you have a much better chance of winning if they can play. You were talking about the manager not going in the clubhouse, and that's true. You know, manager stays out, he's in his office for the most part, will bring a player out to have mm-hmm. a personal conversation with him. And a lot of times it's the bench coach that goes in there or a coach to try to help out. Now, they don't spend a lot of time in there, but they're the conduit between the player and the manager. So you're right, you know, to your point, the manager isn't there a bunch. Mm -hmm. He does lead with his decisions. He's the final ultimate say in what you do uh, strategically in the game with a lot of info behind it and maybe some info from the guy sitting to his right, which is your bench coach. So there are leaders with the coaching staff, too, that have to step up and help out as well.
And winning really is the cure-all. It can cure anything that you have going on. But I do believe that chemistry is a big part of that. And obviously the Cardinals believe that as well, based off of what they've done this offseason. Well, when the Blues were struggling in 2018 before they turned it around, there was a key player that asked for a trade, wanted out of here in the worst way, and Baruby talked him into staying. There was another player that just didn't want anything to do with the team anymore, didn't want to really listen to the to Mike Yo, and Baruby was able to subjugate his ego. So, yeah, sometimes those problems can be fixed, too, and winning, as you mentioned, Brooke, solves everything. Egos, man. There's a lot of them <laughs> yeah. in sports. And I think it's harder now than ever in sports to manage, to coach, because the money – you know, the money of a player is making sometimes 20 times more, mm-hmm. if not more than that, mm-hmm. than the manager. And so where's your power going to be? They can't get rid of the player. You can get rid of the manager. You can get rid of the coach. That happens all the time. That's why Craig Berube isn't the coach of the Blues anymore, isn't it? <laughs> Part of it. Yep. Part of it, yeah. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, it is the 24-year anniversary of the Rams winning Super Bowl 34, And the man who made the tackle, Mike Jones, joins us next year on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So it all comes down to this. Six seconds to play in Super Bowl 34. What do you call it on a defense? 4377 blast. It has never happened in Super Bowl history for a team to score on the last play of regulation. First and goal to go. Rams 23. Titans 16. All right, guys. Last play of the game. McNair will work out of the shotgun. McNair drops. Throws right side for Dyson. It is caught by Dyson. Can he get in? No, he cannot. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Time runs off. That's it. That's it. We won it. St. Louis, the gateway to the West, is now the gateway to the best football team in the world. That was 24 years ago tonight. Our friend Mike Bush had the call, and our friend Mike Jones made the tackle. And here we are on January 30th, 2024. And with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker, joined by the man who made the tackle, the great Mike Jones. Michael, good to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, Randy. How are you doing? Good. You ever get tired of hearing that? Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And I, I want to go, because I, I remember hearing that day, like when, when Coach Vermeil was riding over to the stadium, he was calling all of his old friends from Philly and stuff. What did you do the day of the Super Bowl? How did you prepare for the game that day? You know what? It, it, it's funny you ask that because we played late. We were on the East Coast, so you get up and eat breakfast, First of all, you can't sleep the night before. So then when you finally go to sleep, you got, you have breakfast and you have your meetings. And then it's a, it's a big lull between the time you eat and then eat pregame meal. So you're talking, you know, three, two, three hours. So you try to take a nap. You try and – I mean, you're just ready to play. So and, and it's hard when you're playing – you used to playing at noon and then you're playing the evening game or the most important game of your life. So, you know, I just sat around the hotel, sat in my room, and, you know, just try to get ready to play a game. Just walk us through what that fourth quarter was like. How exhausting was it? Because Steve McNair was just running all over the place. Well, you know what? The, the fourth quarter, what made it so hard, we, we was always a quick strike offense. 
So we knew we, you know, we could score at any time. So we knew we had to be ready. The thing was, you know, you, you're so hyped up. You have so much energy going, put into that game. You're burning energy. You probably didn't think you were, you were using before. And, you know, Steve was doing things he was doing. I mean, you, you, he was running around scrambling. And, and it, what also took a lot of us was they were, they were running the ball. They were getting out this little bit running the football. You know, we were thinking we're up, you know, almost 16 points. We were up 16 points, and we're thinking, okay, they're going to throw the ball. And we we were on our heels because we kept thinking they were going to throw the ball. And they just kept coming downhill, and then they brought flags and pass. And, you know, so it was a lot of different things that they did that was unconventional for a team down by three scores. So, you know, and then, you know, we got a couple quick three and outs or short uh, short offensive periods. So it, it, was, it was tiring, and, you know, and they, and, they, and they were playing physical. They were trying to get after us. So there's a lot of different things played into that. So we, you know, we, we were exhausted, no doubt about that. Mike, is there a day that goes by that somebody doesn't tell you, I remember where I was, or thank you for the tackle, or could you tell me about the play? Is there a day that goes by where someone around town doesn't bring that up with you? It, it, it's funny because when you, when you, you can see guys, I think I told this story before, when, I, when I, my daughters were younger, and because they're adults now, and even sometimes of the day, we'll be somewhere, and 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 then they'll say, "Dad, somebody's looking at you." And <laughs> I look up, and I just smile, and he's like, "What?" I was like, "He's gonna come over and say something to me." Like, "Are you Mike Dolls?" Like, "Yeah." And then, oh man, that was awesome. Uh, so you know, it's more so when when I'm with my with my daughters when someone says something more so than when I'm by myself. You know, what's amazing is that there are a million people now at that game. We've actually done the <laughs> research. A million people say, I was there, so thank you for that moment on behalf of everybody in St. Louis, that's for sure. Uh, no problem. You know what, and, and it's, it's so funny because after the game, as you guys know, we had the ice storm, but my family, we rent, they, we rent them a, a, a bus, and I mean, I had my brothers, it's, it's eight, I have eight siblings, and then all them have kids, so it's probably almost forty people on a bus and, and driving across, driving back through Nashville. You know, they got on that Super Bowl champions, and the, the bus is getting the eggs and all that. So <laughs> it, 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 it was kind of funny that part of it, but it, it was a great experience. Mike Jones made the tackle twenty-four years ago tonight in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. Mike, think about that time since, and you played for a lot of teams. You played for the Raiders. You played at Mizzou. You played obviously here. Went on and played mm-hmm. for the Steelers as well. Is there any connection though, like you have with that championship group? Oh, absolutely. We, we have a we have a a Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, we're getting ready for our 25th anniversary. You know, because technically, I guess about April one is when the new year starts for the NFL, and that and we'll be starting to celebrate our 25th anniversary. So we'll talk. Um, you know, I talked to Ray Agnew, of course. You know, like, we thought they had a chance to get back, and you know, unfortunately, they didn't get in and. You know, I'll, I'll shoot Kirk. You know, I talked to Isaac a little more than often, and, and then Tory and, and London. And, but we talked to a lot of guys, and uh, and uh, we communicate and stay in contact with each other. How much of a bummer is it that you won't be able to have the 25th anniversary with your team in the town that you want it for? Well, we're gonna do something in St. Louis, so that's that like, that's gonna happen. So. I mean, we we were the first team to win a Super Bowl for the Rams, and we were St. Louis Rams. So we're always going to represent and and make sure people in St. Louis know how much we appreciate them and the support that they have. And you know, it may not it may not set well with 
the Rams organization in L.A., but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, they'll, I hate to say it, they'll get over. <laughs> I like that a lot. I think a lot of people do here, too. Now, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned Torrey Holt. He's a finalist once again for the Hall of Fame. Do you think that he makes it this year? I think he has a great shot. And I'm going to tell you someone else, I think in a couple years I'm going to get his London Fletcher. I think that um, Torrey, you know, the first guy we, that, that deserves to be in, it's ironic that three guys go on the ballot in the finals last year that were receivers and none of them got in. So I'm hoping that Torrey gets in this year. I think Torrey as well as Torrey and, and, and all the rest of the teammates. So, you know, it would be phenomenal for him to be able to get in this year and then uh, celebrate, you know, this this um, this um, uh, August with all of us, you know, 25th anniversary, have another guy going to all the fight. Mike, what keeps you busy day to day? What are you, what are you up to these days? Well, you know what? We, we have a, actually, we're, we're doing uh, electrical vehicle charging station throughout the state of Missouri. Uh, so we're, we're on that end. And then I got a brand new, well, not brand new, but I got a granddaughter that's two and a half years old. And I got a grandson coming in, coming here sometime in April or, or May. So between the grandkids and uh, it's crazy to sound, I'm, I'm, I'm saying grandkids. <laughs> but, you know, between the, those, my family, and, you know, running a business, you know, it's, it's great. You know, we're still involved in the, it, 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 we go to Mizzou, see Mizzou play, and, you know, get an opportunity, you know, we've been to the Rams game a couple times, and we saw what they should have did a long time ago. They finally honored Coach Ramil out there, so we went out there to see him. And, you know, so, you know, we, we, we do a lot of things with the Rams and a lot of things, you know, in the community, we still work with the Demetrius Johnson Foundation. His camp's coming up. So there's a lot of things we're doing and we're excited about and hope that everyone can involved help in it. And uh, Mike and I had the, the great good fortune of having uh, the opportunity to watch our, our daughters grow up. Yep. <laughs> they, they danced. Your two girls are doing good? They're doing great. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to use that word term, dance with them loosely, because it wasn't really a dance. It was, we were moving side to side. <laughs> you were better than yeah. I was, my man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, awesome. so, Mike, thanks so much for obviously bringing us that Super Bowl win, but all you've done for the community over the years. And you are a, a great St. Louisan, and we really do appreciate the time. And uh, this is a great celebration. And as we head towards the 25th anniversary next year, you always have an open invita- invitation here. You know that to, to talk oh, about absolutely. what you guys are going to do. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Like I said, we'll be in contact with you very soon. Because, again, with all this stuff, it's going to be a year-long celebration. You don't get it. I mean, we're the only team that won the Super Bowl in St. Louis. The St. Louis Rams, we're going to represent St. Louis and the St. Louis Rams. All right, Michael, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. See you. That's Mike Jones, who made the tackle, joining us on the opening drive. About two months ago, I emceed the uh, Isaac Bruce Foundation dinner. Mm -hmm. Warren Sapp and Isaac were on stage. I got to moderate a conversation, but I introduced certain St. Louis Rams that were in attendance. He was there, and the ovation that Mike (laughs) Jones still gets is enormous. I mean, people really respect him for what he's done with the tackle on the field, but off the field, too. And he was the first free agent that Dick Vermeil brought right. in. The foundation started when the Rams signed Mike Jones to his contract in 97. I don't think we'll ever see a team like that ever again, no. honestly. I don't think London Fletcher gets enough credit for he mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome in St. Louis. As we've heard before, they should not have let him go. And they should have kept him here. Mm-hmm. And he's just, his career after St. Louis was incredible, too. He was fantastic. And yeah. he's one of the all-time great middle linebackers, both for Buffalo and Washington. He's actually the Washington radio analyst now. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh. And, yeah, he is 
for anybody that watched him play, and unfortunately for him, he played at the same time that Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis played. But he was every bit as good as those guys. Yeah, doesn't get the recognition he probably should. No. That is Michael Jones. Today, the anniversary of the Rams winning Super Bowl 34 down in Atlanta. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, uh, we mentioned Kadarius Tony yesterday Tones. on the show, and how his future with the Chiefs might Tone be in a little bit of a, a little bit questionable because he went on an expletive-filled rant where he said that the um, injuries that the Chiefs were claiming for him were not real. Well, uh, Andy Reid was on a was on. Um, Excuse me, uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City yesterday. Probably with Bob Vesco. He was asked, I don't think this is Vesco, I think this oh. is somebody else. Okay. He, he was asked about <laughs> he was asked about the Tony situation. He, that he was saying he was not hurt. Um hey, can you can you expand upon what, what his situation is a little more, Coach? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously he's been on the injury report. So I mean I I got that that part as uh that's not made up by any means, but he's been working through some things and um, he'll, uh, you know, he'll be back out there. Yeah, sounds like that. Sounds like he's gonna be back out there anytime soon, Andy. Will he be back out there? I think the only man that can stop Patrick Mahomes right now could be his own teammate, and Tony. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, with him, they all they also said in addition to the injuries, personal. And when you look at a situation like uh, Chandler Jones had with the, the Raiders, the the mental issues that athletes are going through now you hope that Kadarius Tony isn't run, Antonio Brown that uh, the Kadarius Tony isn't running into some of that who is the um, Raiders Bucks the center that the Bear, night before Barrett Robbins Barrett Robbins yeah, yeah you know had mental issues and that's tough man yeah it, it's it's real so now I will say that reportedly he did have a baby and that was the personal reason there. okay but he didn't mention that in his live, yeah. which I which I thought was kind of weird. That doesn't change whether or not you're injured or not. It, no, but because yeah. it said on the it said on the report it said personal slash injury, and uh-huh. so the personal side was reportedly about him having a baby recently. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he's maybe it's the injury is questionable. Bad hands. Ooh. That would be it. Mm-hmm. I liked it when um, Greg Popovich put on the whatever it was DNP. On, yeah, did not play, and he said old. I'm just going to say that management of your roster makes a lot more sense when they're 38 years old and have won, you know, four sure. championships yeah. than when they're right. 27 and they're like a three-time All-Star and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I wonder if with Tony saying he's not hurt and Coach saying he was, but he would be back out there, I wonder if he will practice at all as they approach the Super Bowl. They start He's practicing to. in tomorrow. I, I think he would for sure. You'd think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, now, will he play? Probably not. But if he says he's not hurt, and they say, well, okay, then come on out and practice, then he's got to, right? How good is Rasheed Rice turned into here, the stretch mm-hmm. run? 
boy, has he been good. You forget about everybody else. Brooke drafted him. In, you drafted oh, him, right? That, yeah. was a, that was a great pickup for me. Yeah, in our fantasy football league, before everything started, she mm-hmm. picked Rishi Rice. I might have known something. Smart move. I really yeah. didn't. It, I just got really lucky, and it worked out. Yeah. Because Jamar Chase didn't exactly work out for me, so it was kind of a yeah, give and really. take there. Yeah, and they could use another guy at some point, and Sky Moore hasn't worked out. He was a high pick. They thought that they were going to get something out of Tony. MVS is a free agent after this year, so they're going to have to go get a couple of receivers, whether it's through the draft or in free agency this year. Well, based on that call by Brooke, I think I'd rather have her running the lines. Here's uh, Dan Campbell explaining his decision to run the ball in third and one down at the goal line. Yeah, look, it's the easy thing to do is to throw it. Probably should have been the right thing, uh, but for me, I wanted to run it. I thought we would just pop it. You know, we had just two minutes all the way down the field throwing the football, and they were in a four-down front, and I believe we'd walk right in, and uh, we just we missed a block. And so then, yeah, I got to use the timeout. So hindsight, you know, throw it four times. But I believed uh, in that moment it was going to be a walk and run, and it didn't work out. So I gambled and lost. Oh, that's that, that's Dan Gamble. Dan Gamble. Oh, <laughs> pop back up. Yep. That that was definitely one of the miscues. Look, he's he's sticking by you know, his decisions. And I think that he explained it well. It's kind of the same situation where he's explaining fourth down his decisions with that. Mm -hmm. So he's sticking by it. It's just another gamble that didn't pay off. It's just, it's legitimate to say, okay, why didn't you kick it here? Mm -hmm. And you don't kick it here. Uh, I, Randy and I were texting during the game. You remember that Randy? Mm -hmm. And I just said, when I'm on the road, I take the points and I could have made it a three possession game. And it's not to say that that was a given. They weren't chip shots. They weren't. No. But in the NFL, you think that these guys are going to make that. And I don't know, man. I take the points and I'm on the road. Keep applying the pressure. That And I asked Brooke yesterday, and Dan, you're a veteran football watcher. Could you imagine Bill Parcells going for those fourth downs and not kicking the field goals? Could take you imagine Joe Gibbs not taking the points? Can you imagine? You just can't leave. And I know analytics have changed the game, but you can't leave points on the field. Todd Bowles, the last week when he went for two, rather than kicking the extra point. You just can't leave points late, easy points on the field. And I respect the fact that he played this way all year. I really do. Mm-hmm. But... I just think you have to use common. To me, it was common sense. I'm on the road. Don't overthink it. I'm taking the points. Making yeah. it a three possession, and that's where I'm going. With you 100%. I agree. You have to take the points there. Now, and that's the thing is, the other counter argument to that is, well, it worked for him all season. Why would he do anything different during the postseason? Sure. Because he's playing a really good team on the road with a really good defense. And they all are a different it, animal. Yeah, it is, and it's picking up a fourth and two. At San Francisco in the playoffs is a little bit different than picking up a fourth and two at home against the Bears. Yep. It's not week season. two. This is going to the Super Bowl. Take yeah. the points on the road. There's yes. you can make a lot of arguments for a lot of the decisions he made. I just, I just this one this one bothers me the most. And, and him saying that, you know, well, hindsight you can look at, it, and I really thought we had a good chance just to walk in. It, you're I just think he's just ignoring the obvious parts here, which is hindsight that's not a bad move like in the moment everyone in america thought that was a bad move and if you would have walked in it would have been still have been a bad call because of the chance that you get stopped and the clock keeps rolling Mm -hmm. or you got to use a timeout right ahead randall we have more rock and roll 
The only other thing I had was I was just going to mention again uh, what Randy mentioned at the very top of the show, which is uh, Joakim Nielsen and Edward Leuven are going to miss the next week of training camp. They're going to go get their green cards. They're getting their HSA this, today for the, the, the benefits. And, no, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's so that they can work in the country and so their family can work in the country. And also the big thing is that it frees up international spots. In MLS, you're only allowed to have eight of them. MLS had to buy a ninth international spot, and this will free up two international spots that will then allow them to potentially Ooh. sign their first-round pick, potentially sign another player. So this there there's reasons other than just, you know, you know, better so, living for Leuven and Nielsen and their families. This is actually a tactical move for the roster building on the MLS side. So do they get HSA cards? I mean, I think their health insurance is through the team, I'm guessing. Okay. Well that's okay, good. I don't think you need what, a, I, I'm very curious, what is account. the process to get a green card? So here's the thing. So you you ask for the when you do fill out your benefit no, thing. No, 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 no. I'm talking about seriously Actual the process. Oh, okay. You have to take a test, right? You you do have to take a test and uh, then you wait uh, what, six months? Ask Jamie Rivers. Uh, and then you get a green card. Do you think we could pass that test? No. We'd have to study. There's no chance that we could pass that test. You don't think so, Randall? No, it's a constitutional test. American. I didn't no. even go to history oh, class oh, in school. Ooh. You didn't go to any class. <laughs> I did some. I did. <laughs> what do you where think do you the go? test is, though, Randy? They're not like asking you like which which state has a bicameral legislature instead of a unicameral legislature. They like yes, they're not that. asking that they, kind they, of stuff. Yeah, pretty sure the answer is yeah. Nebraska, by the way. Okay. Yeah, uh, Danny, I went to uh, marketing class. I went to accounting class, although I got there late. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else? I don't know. I, I went to some classes. It's good. Yeah. I, you brought in your report card that uh, one day. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, yes. But that was nasty. They got me through. <laughs> they got they, they graduated me. Yes. They, yeah. So an, another Parkway North success story. I go back to Dan Campbell for a moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think you do, Coach, when you're on a team that was awful two years ago, okay last year, what, one game above 500. Mm-hmm. If you're in week two, week three, week four, you're showing – we're going to win, we're going to be aggressive, and we're going to have an, a winning culture. You did do that, and you got to the playoffs. I'm not saying that you shake everything up, but I just think you take the points on the road. Yeah. Uh, and to different, to two different is. scenarios. You're mm-hmm. allowed to change philosophically a little bit once you get to that point That's in the season. That's my point. And you yeah. should. Yeah. It's, the, it's the flow of the situation, right? Because you wouldn't coach the same as you did in week six as you would during the postseason. Exactly. And Andy Reid is not going to coach any differently, and Kyle Shanahan's. Not going to coach. Well, Kyle Shanahan probably does need to coach a little bit differently than he has in the Super Bowl before. So the Chiefs have opened up as, what, a two-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah. Uh, no, the 49ers. San Francisco. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Man, I've gone against the Chiefs. I don't know if I can do it again. I would not. I would not bet against Patrick Mahomes. It, it's the old sports line, never underestimate the heart of a champion, and they have the heart of a champion. And they're aside from losing the uh, the defensive end, they're actually, I think, going to be a little bit more healthy. They'll get Willie Gay back for this game. Do they also have the eye of the tiger? Yes, and uh, the thrill of fight, yeah. By the way, Patrick Mahomes has played 17 postseason games, so essentially another full season in the playoffs. Sees 14-3, and 4,800 passing yards, 39 touchdowns, 5 rushing, 39 passing, only 7 INTs in the 17 postseason games. And you don't play bad teams in the postseason. No. That's pretty impressive. That's really good. It's amped up a yep. little bit, the intensity. Yeah. Great job today by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Get out your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? 
Danny. Always. Good to have you with us. Oh, great to be here. A little fist bump. Uh, <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Taco Tuesday, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.